loved ones, beloved sweethearts, it's time for the Boy Hattie Podcast. We're here to talk to y'all live about some pop culture detritus. As always, I'm Annie. I'm Bill. Bill, how you been doing the last couple weeks, my friend? Imagine Fall 4 is about to come out. Okay. And you know it's coming out like on a Friday, and you Mm -hmm. specifically set time aside for that weekend. Like, you know, you're just going to fall out. Like a motherfucker. Even on that Friday when they, you know that game's supposed to arrive from Amazon, you sit down like you get like special food. You could uh-huh. like you could create a nest for yourself so you can right. enjoy that to the maximum. That happened to me this week. My most anticipated game of the year, Mario Maker, was it came out for everyone else on Friday. Oh, but no. for so this uh, this is a, something that actually didn't just happen to me, but happened to a whole bunch of people too. Um, UPS uh, got their shipments of Mario Maker from Amazon late for a lot of people, and so a lot of people aren't getting their Amazon copies of Mario Maker until like Monday or Tuesday. And I'm oh, one of those people. Sucks. But I like you know they had to release day delivery all set up. You know like that's when you pre-order the game. That's what you're promised. And so like Mario Maker is easily my most anticipated game of the year. And it did not arrive. And I even actually got like little chicken parmesan, chicken nuggets, and I had like Italian, I got a little antipasta salad. I was like, I'm gonna have so much fun night making my own Mario games. Today's the 30th anniversary of the release of the first Super Mario Brothers, so I was gonna spend all day today like, yeah, 30th anniversary Mario, I'm gonna play it all day. And uh, yeah, may not be here until Tuesday at the latest. You're breaking my heart here, Bill. Uh, Still give me plenty of time to play Metal Gear. Which is also a great game, but it's not the one big game I wanted that's coming out this fall. So it's not the end of the world, but it Bill, is. Bill, that's like, like me saying, well, my Fallout 4 copy won't come out until well, that's after exactly. the vacation that I requested off from work, but I can play Mad Max. That's exactly what I'm saying. And Mad Max is, <laughs> at least it's something to do with your hands so you can not just fidget and not do anything, but yeah. it's still, it's fucking cold comfort. Um, so I know. Well, you know what? We had something like that happen with Dragon Age, where we were really excited about Inquisition, and for whatever reason, our a copy wasn't going to arrive until two days after release date. Oh uh, yeah. So I canceled my fucking order, and I downloaded the digital copy right last away. night. So did you? Uh, so you did not even get? So you, okay, so you didn't double dip though. No. You were able to still well, I, I there was a chance that they because it was like one of those cancellation moments where it's so late yeah. that they may charge you for it anyway. In which case, I was just going to return it, but it all worked out. And well, Mario Maker is a big thing too because so much of it is on, like an online component where you want to make stages yeah. and share them with other people. And I know people are going to stop playing this after like a week. Not everyone, but like it's going to be that's the same thing. That that's what happens with all kind of creator. Uh, like gamer created content games where there's you know it was that first week or two where everyone's like I'm gonna make the Sistine Chapel in this game like Little Big Planet or any other game like that and after two or three weeks the only people left are like the super hardcore crazy people and all like the normal people Bill. especially like this time of year when there's a, like new games coming out every week it's people get distracted very easily um so i was like i want to be there day one making stages with it and sharing stages <laughs> and i like you know now if i play the game e- even though it's gonna be two three days late it's gonna be like oh no one's gonna play my stages because everyone's already sick and tired of mario maker by like monday totally rational know, Bill, but this is a mario game and this is also one of only how many other i'm saying it's an irrational feeling i'm agreeing with you but part of me is like yeah oh by the time because i'm monday no one want to play mario maker anymore and no one will love me and no and you're talking about this is also the same part of my brain that says that thinks that if i don't create a mario maker stage eventually that is good enough to get me elected president of the united states (laughs) then somehow i failed at life there's some still little 
little kid part of me from like 1985 who is like who knows that oh my god you can make your own mario stages bill you would be the best mario artist out there you know like man bill yeah. as you have kept riffing and riffing on that i my brain my sleepy cold adult brain has been trying to come up with a joke about how your presidential platform would be a floating platform like in a mario <laughs> level i can't quite uh, land this joke but maybe by the end of the episode I'll i would out. trump out and my platform would be uh to make make it so that new goombas are allowed back in the mushroom kingdom no turtles <laughs> no koopas um all the every time they show up they just turn people into bricks and plants and that's fucking us mm-hmm. up as a country as a kingdom we that's have a to really unite good joke, bill um, uh, bill i'm so sorry that really truly sucks my friend I, why does the mushroom kingdom not take the war to the koopa people <laughs> they keep on invading and fucking them up i'm assuming they share a border and it's not that's like a- yeah. That is way too aggro a concept for a Nintendo Super game. Mario Brothers <laughs> is kind of like a metaphor for fucked up immigration where you got all these immigrants coming in fucking okay, shit up. Okay, we need to place. stop with this line of reasoning because it's actually making me actively <laughs> uncomfortable. So, uh, Bill, I'm saying. really sorry. If only Bill, there was a giant Mexican is, who kidnapped the president's Bill, daughter. if you, ca- you just need to cancel that and then reorder it using Amazon's goddamn one-hour delivery. Holy shit. <laughs> I, mean, that's I forgot the what... I didn't even think... The one-hour delivery exists, Would they bro. they do that? It's, it's such Portland a new now. Game. I didn't even think about that. That's entirely a possibility, but... Oh, shit. I mean, you can check. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, yeah you know what? Okay. Bill, I'll worry do about it that right after now. The show. Bill, pause. Okay. Because then perhaps I, I, in the... Con- yeah, Andy, take a look. Andy, take your headphones off. Hold I'm on, I'll be back in a second. <laughs> I'm going to take care of it. Imagine, if you will, my friends, a world, a world in which two fat white people in Portland, Oregon are able to order a Mario game with the span of their This podcast. is why the rest of the world wants to kill us as a country. Uh-huh. Uh, man, like, I really do sound so. xenophobic and shit today, but I'm just saying 9-11 happened because of people like us. Oh, Bill, <laughs> you're not wrong. This is, this is bad. Yeah. We're bad, terrible people. Uh, but yeah, you need to check and see. So yeah, Amazon Prime is. We talked about this. Amazon Prime is testing one-hour delivery in our neighborhood. And it's free too. Products, yeah, but yeah, our friends, uh, friends of the podcast, Britta and Chase, ordered. They need to take a step back. They're big Perrier drinkers in that household. Really? Specifically, Chase is, and Chase ordered forty-five bottles of Perrier to be delivered in one hour by Amazon Prime. <laughs> it was a beautiful. That's a great abuse of that. Thing. Wait, what? So what's what's special about Perrier? They like it. I don't know. You can have is to ask Chase that, my friend. I ain't Chase. Oh, no, uh, no, Yes, no. it is a fizzy know, water. I don't know if I had, like, a specific flavor. Because, you know, you can buy water and, like, you know, fizzy water anywhere. I just didn't know if there was, like, why don't Perry use a thing? It's not, like, it's it's a famous brand in terms of bottled water. It's on one of the biggest, oldest ones out there. But, yeah, Bill, I if I were to say to you, why bother drinking Coke? You can have RC Cola. It's cheaper. Kmart brand is cheaper. That's no, you true. drink Coke. Yeah, fucking People you got drink, their if brands. You're, if you're going to ruin yourself, might as well do it all the way. Okay, and uh, say stuff that's important while I look at Mario Maker. <laughs> Here, while Bill does this, I'm going to talk about a different video game that Bill will have no context for. Um, Date Nido, the excellent uh, visual novel company that is, their whole thesis is visual novels in your browser. You can play them on your tablet, on your phone, on your computer, and more to the point, you can switch between the three. I played their most recent release on my phone, on the iPad, and on the computer. Uh, I really enjoyed their first release, which was Starfighter Eclipse, based on the excellent um, oh, these guys uh, boy have a new kissing. Game 
that's what I'm discussing. Based oh, on the okay. boy kissing comic Starfighter, uh, it was a really fun game. And like I said, the the music was fantastic, the production was fantastic, and really it was amazing to play on iPad. Um, uh, but they just came out with a new game uh, uh, called We Know the Devil, where you are a trio of teens at a um, a summer camp. Uh, and you have to spend a night in a cabin and confront the devil. It's uh, It was a really enjoyable, weird little experience, and I liked the hell out of it. I really like Date Nido. I think they're worth your money. It's a good time of year for it. It's finally starting to get cold. It's a good Halloween-y game. And the price point is $6.66. So. I heard you talking about this game on Twitter. I didn't realize it was by the same people did uh, Starfire, uh, Starfighter Eclipse. Is this... It is uh, the same how's it presented? Is it like... Studio. F- is it F- it's not the same team oh, okay it's no it's it's actually kind of interesting all the so in a visual novel you always have backgrounds of static sprites mm-hmm. and the static sprites shift depending on your dial on the dialogue uh the backgrounds in this are all photographs of like flash photographs taken in the woods so they're all extra spooky and the music is extra flash spooky so it's all kind of like crime scene you looking yeah, yeah, it's like that kind of stark contrasty thing that's really enjoyable. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's just interesting because it's a totally different creative team from uh, Starfighter Eclipse. So it's a um, it's just a good uh, a good fun time. So and it's perfect for getting into the fall mood. So I really like the hell out of it. I can't talk too much about it because it's kind of a strange little surreal experience and it's a horror story. So you kind of got to get into it. But uh, I really enjoyed it and I want I'm really excited that Date Nido exists and I. I want to see what next what uh what they come up with next. are there branching paths and stuff or is it just a very linear game what's fascinating is that like all all um all visual novels by their nature are incredibly linear which is very specific branches i yeah. mean they branch but they're it's a linear you know they're it, it, you're just exploring different parts of a choose your own adventure novel right yeah but uh, usually they're just much more fleshed out this game is interesting because there are only maybe four choice points in the whole game. Oh, it's okay. mostly a, a, sh- a story that you're reading with a few arcs. Depending on, So there are three of you in this cabin, and depending on your choices, one is forced out of the cabin. And uh, it's There has to be one that's uh, forced out, though. Yeah, what what I what I what I really enjoy this uh, from in this game from a kind of design perspective is usually in visual novels you the player are a character and usually an unnamed character and um, or you get to name yourself and you're interacting with the world whereas in this game the narrator is just kind of an amorphous we Mm-hmm. And the we shifts depends on who who's the focus of the scene, and you can choose um, uh, to basically to choose two characters to highlight in any given scene. So y- 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 it's not so much like I am a usually in visual novels. It's like I am a character and I am pursuing this character. Mm-hmm. In this game, there are these this group of three, and at any point you can choose to shift the focus on any two of them. And depending on that, those focus shifts it alters the narrative. Okay. And it's a clever it's a clever variation on the visual novel sort of tropes that I really enjoyed. How long is the game? Took Foley and I maybe about an hour and a half to beat the first path. Um, there are three paths and then a bonus fourth path, which I'm looking forward to. The That's the cool. the the play the world that it's set in is kind of a surreal and unsettling one. And Did I'm, you guys I'm just play really like a play. little sitting around the computer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully. Because if you can like, broadcast to a TV, that almost seems like in lieu of like watching a horror movie or something like that, you can essentially yeah. kind of play a horror movie instead. Yeah, 
Y'all, you kind of have to all be game for it. Because, you know, visual novels are, by their nature, um, it's almost all in your head as yeah. much as it is on the screen. And it's um, it's very much so a uh, relationship between the player and the game because you as the player have to fill in the gaps quite a bit. So I, I think it's a great game to play with someone else. You just kind of both have to drink the Kool-Aid and yeah. buy into it. Have you so. heard about the Until Dawn game that just came out just a couple weeks ago? Yeah, one of my coworkers got it, and I have to admit, I'm intrigued by it, yeah. uh, but I hate horror tropes, and I'm not a big fan of horror enough to do it. Yeah. Also, uh, I've heard that it's, like, maybe 50% jump scares, which I'm just not a big fan of. I just heard people again, comparing it to, was it, like, Heavy Rain and those kinds of, like, super cinematic... Sure. Like, it's another, it's another like, uh, narrative... kind of bullshit, yeah. Exactly. Narrative-focused, quick-time event thing. What intrigues me about Until Dawn is the conceit... Again, it's a, the mechanical conceit of the game, the narrative, like the design conceit of the game. It has, like I think, eight characters, all of whom you know, live in various obvious horror archetypes. Yeah. And depending on your choices in the game and the actions of the game, all of them can die, all of them can yeah, exactly. live. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Any yeah. combination thereof. That, to me, sounds fascinating, and it's very visual novel. Yeah, someone who grew up watching so. lots of terrible horror movies that this game is obviously inspired by, wherever, like, you know, like, all the teen kids in the wood getting killed off. That sounds like a very, like, an, at least an interesting, and, like, for a game that was on no one's radar, everyone seems to be freaking out about it uh, quite a bit, so like, I might get it used. I would want to play, here's the context in which I want to play Until John. I want to be pleasantly drunk, and I will say on beer, to clarify, I want to be pleasantly drunk on beer <laughs> with friends who are much more drunk than I am, shouting at me as I yeah, play. That's like a that would be my perfect way to play until dawn. Unless you're really up for like a very specific, like unless you really want to be scared. Uh, mm -hmm. Horror games, movies, all that kind of stuff, usually best enjoyed with like a bunch of friends who are like loud and rambunctious and like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's a, horror stuff can be very social. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. That, that seems to be like an ideal situation to ingest a game like that. So, Bill, you keep talking to me. Have you ordered Mario Maker on Amazon Prime? No, I looked up. They have like Super Mario Wii. Oh. <laughs> they have new Super Mario Brothers Wii. <laughs> they have everything. Yeah. I think it is one of those uh, things where like, jerk. we'll get stuff to you like, you know, in an hour or less, but it has to be a couple years old in terms of like video yeah. game software. Well, I'm but, sure yeah, it's just it, not in that fulfillment center. Although if you do want a PlayStation 4 delivered to your house in less than an hour... Yep. There you go. Um, yep. Did you see Leland? He pulled the trigger on a Wii U last night because of Super Mario God Maker. bless him. Yeah. Of course. He was this, really, this is... He doesn't make a lot of money, and he was really torn. He's been spending months, like, wringing his hands between getting a Wii U just for Mario Maker or getting a PlayStation 4 so he can play Star Wars Battlefront later on this year. And I kept on telling him, I'm going to get both so he can always come over to my place and check that shit out. Yeah, but see. Mario Maker is not a game you check out, Bill. Mario game, Mario Maker is a game you sit down. That's where you want to live. Maybe a couple of weeks. That's what I'm saying. It's the Secret Garden, and I spent all day <laughs> yesterday waiting for the doors to open up to the Secret Garden, <laughs> and then a little balloon floated down from the sky with a note saying, "Wait till Tuesday, maybe." <laughs> While everyone else, really else is sucks, already though. having fun in the Secret Garden, so by the time you show up, everyone will be all orgied out in the Secret Garden, and you're just left like. Eating Bill, like fruity pebbles with your bare hands at the party. What you're saying is everyone else got the golden ticket. Yeah. And you're standing outside the Wonka factory. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that fat kid's going to eat all the chocolate out of the river so I can't even use the boat. <laughs> Fucking A. Uh, yeah, I'm oh, to Bill, I'm stuff, so sorry. About I'd Mario love to Man. play until down in October because it's all Halloween y. I'm looking to see yeah. when games come up. Man, everything comes out in October, though. Ways of Slam yeah. 2, Yoshi, Assassin's Creed, Uncharted Collection. Shit. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, last night I was pruning my pre-orders. All I have for pre-orders for the next rest of the year are, uh, um, I'm gonna get the Uncharted collection because I can't not. Yeah. I'm gonna get Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Because we're both, idiots. and I'm gonna get Fallout. Yeah. Yeah. I decided not to do. Are you getting Tomb Raider? Depends on reviews. I mean, I like the first one. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it, but I just can't justify buying a game on the same day that Fallout 4 comes out. <laughs> well, also with the Uncharted collection coming out just like like two or three weeks earlier, I might just be like kind of Uncharted out by the time that game comes out. And also, sure. if I wait like two weeks, it'll probably be half price on a Black Friday sale anyway. Um, so I'll probably grab it. That's a good it. point. It'd be nice to... Yeah. I don't have anything to play on my Xbox One, and so it would almost yeah. be good excuse to fire that up. Um, are you not going to get Are you not gonna get uh, Fallout 4 for Xbox One? That's what I'm going to figure out! Because I want to get a gaming PC, and if you're going to get a gaming PC, the first game to break in that gaming PC sounds like Fallout 4 would be the perf- uh, perfect choice for that kind of thing. Yeah. And so yeah. I've got pre-orders for all the three different versions. i got PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the PC version. And ideally, I'd like to just play it on the PlayStation 4 because it's the console I use the most often. There's no multiplayer component to that game or anything, right? No, there is not. I'm getting um, it for Xbox One just because they're doing mod support for yeah, Xbox and you know, One first. Yeah, and you know, it's probably going to look a little bit better on the PlayStation 4, too. And, um... But yeah, the mods sound interesting. But if I'm going to worry about mods, I might as well just say fuck it and use that as an excuse to get, get a gaming PC. I don't know. I have to figure out what I'm doing. I better do it. Man, I have else. to say... The trouble I had with Shadowrun recently Ooh, reminded me of why I never want to go back to... I never want to have a gaming PC. Because yeah. there was a patch released, and I didn't yeah, have enough room on my computer. So I had to delete the game locally, and then re-download it locally, and then re-download the patch, yeah. and then delete that all again, and then download it again. This is a game I had played the night before. I spent an hour trying to get to play again. You know what I like? Putting it in my fucking... <laughs> Like, damn well, thing that's plugged in my TV. I got to figure out because I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out. I never really splurge. I buy lots of stupid small stuff for myself, but I never, like, invest in anything big for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about getting an exercise equipment thing. It's, it's like this recumbent. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like this big exercise thing, and that's going to cost, like, $6,000. But mm-hmm. I want something. I need. To, I need to have something in the house where I can just like get up and do some yeah. exercise. Yeah. With like, yeah. just I just need to start doing that. It's it's. Yeah. I'm spending way too much time just vegetating in front of a computer all day. Yeah. And I'm also thinking about. I haven't gone on vacation in a good fifteen years, and so I am still thinking about going to Disneyland, and that's going to be like a five thousand yeah. dollar investment. Yeah. And so I have to decide if I have if I want to do one or the other of those, and then I'm thinking about well, a gaming PC will cost like a thousand bucks. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing right now. So yeah, the next yeah. like week or two is good. Me kind of making some major money decisions in terms of like how I'm going to be spending money for the rest of the fall, but we'll see. But yeah, no, gaming PC is yeah. still kind of tempting. But again, if I could just get a gaming PC that acts like a console, which would be a Steam machine, but those Steam machines are so expensive. Hmm. I don't know. Well, yeah, here's the thing, there. dude. Once you have a gaming PC, then you just get the st- the Steam Link or whatever it's called and yeah. push it to your TV. No, definitely frankly, everything I would play would still be. I wouldn't even buy a new computer monitor. I would whatever yeah, I buy it would be whatever I can HDMI connect to my out. TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do have so, the Steam controller and the Steam Link thing pre-ordered from uh from uh Valve anyway. So that that shit is arriving in a couple weeks anyway. So that might be the excuse to actually invest in something, some kind of PC yeah. something or other. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Bill, what games have you been playing? We've been talking about what you haven't been. Man, what have you been playing? Play a lot of Metal Gear. Yeah. Do you have 
any interest in Metal Gear. Eh. Metal Gear is good as balls. I am shocked. I talked a little bit about Metal Gear last week. I had only uh-huh. played like 10 hours last week. Um, in the week since I've played like an extra like 25 hours. This is for a game yeah. that, A, was not even on my radar. I'm looking at my little black book of all the games that are coming out this fall. And I didn't even have that jotted down because fuck Metal Gear. Um, this shit's overrated. Kojima's a creep. Why would you care about Metal Gear? And I really just bought Metal Gear just to kind of hold me over to Mario Maker. I was so excited about Mario Maker, but I didn't. Right. And, and Mad Max turned out to be such a turd that I needed something else. And I was like, "Oh, fine, I'll get Metal Gear just to do something." And especially because the reviews for Metal Gear, even from people not even like Metal Gear games, always get like nines and tens. Uh, but this is the first time I've heard from people who do didn't like Metal Gear who were like, "Oh no, this is actually a good game." Aside from other, like, aside from the people who love Metal Gear in the first place, this is actually a good game. Aside from you know, you don't have to be a Metal Gear fan to enjoy this game. The gameplay design is good enough that it even if you can ignore the weird sexist shit in this game, it's still pretty good. And it is. It is the whole the sandbox. You should run around blowing stuff up and sneaking around and all the yeah. weird systems that Kojima has built into this game where it's it's hard to describe because there's so many moving parts in this game in terms of the open world stealth stuff it's crazy mm-hmm. it's it's crazy that i have to think i've played that game for like a good 35 hours i've maybe only aside from like the opening hour hour and a half prologue where you're snake waking up from a coma and trying to sneak out of a hospital while you're getting attacked by bad guys who are trying to kill you aside from that man there's like maybe half an hour story I've run across, and mm-hmm. I've played the game. It's a Metal Gear game that I've played for 35 hours, and there's been, like, 20 minutes of story. There's hmm. been no cutscenes or anyone monologuing or anything like that, which is always the worst part of these games. And so it's just stripped down almost entirely to just gameplay, just going out in missions, in this, and you either run around in Afghanistan or you're running around in a theater in Africa. And uh, it's just it's just really cool that... Uh, Kojima for his last Metal Gear game really sat down and said, okay, I'm going to do a big open sandboxy thing, just focus on the systems and the gameplay, and the story will be kind of an afterthought, even though, story-wise, it's plugging in a big hole in the Metal Gear mythos, because this is all the backstory of essentially how the big, the biggest bad guy in the Metal Gear universe actually became the bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's just really goddamn fun. I got my snake powered up enough so that he could uh, steal whole cars and tanks with his balloon. Nice. You get attach a balloon to a tank and it just flies up in the sky and suddenly becomes your tank that you can call up later for yourself. And all kinds of stuff like that. I did um, unlock the three companions. I think it's only three companions you get in the game. So when you go out on missions, you can choose to have a companion come with that, come with you into the battlefield. And mm-hmm. um, you could either choose between a horse, a dog, or Quiet the Sniper that everyone's been freaking out about. That's the, that's right. the naked sniper lady. And she is totally fucking useless, aside from the whole sexy sexism complaints. Um, she's a sniper who, um, she'll just kind of randomly, as you run through the environment, she'll find, like, sniping perches, and she'll, like, tar- light, yeah. light targets up that she can kill. And you can command her to sometimes kill some of those targets. But she doesn't talk, and she doesn't have any personality. But the dog, when you go out with the dog... Yeah. He can sniff out all, like, the little herbs you can pick. It's very Red Dead when you're actually out on foot. Because you're going out, you mm-hmm. have to pick plants, you're killing guys, you find this over here. Suddenly this new mission shows up over here where these bad guys are fucking with these guys, so you have to stop the bad guys. Kind of like uh-huh. emergent kind of gameplay stuff. It, it's it's just funny because uh, Joshin, my housemate, he just hooked up his 360 for the first time in, like, good four or five years. And uh, he's playing through Red Dead again. 
And yeah. it's funny watching him play through Red Dead, and he's doing a lot of the same stuff I'm doing in Metal Gear, and just in terms of open world, he can be on a horse. You're picking stuff, you're making things. Um, except, you know, this is Red Dead. If if in Red Dead, you could also call in a tank. <laughs> that <laughs> give you support for a mission or something like that. It's um, funny you should but... say that, because I am I am a very contrary person sometimes, and I've been having a really rough mental time of it the last couple of months yeah and so when i've been hearing all the rave reviews of uh metal gear a series that i'm not particular like i've played them and i'm like i could take i i'm affectionate for them largely because of what they mean to other people more so than my own experience through them uh and uh uh but i could take it or leave it and then everybody starts raving about systems and i'm like eh fuck it meanwhile mad max came out and everybody took a big dump on it and i also was like "Eh, i'll cancel my order whatever i can't afford it right now and you let me borrow it i'm playing the shit out of mad max and i'm having the greatest time and it also reminds me of red dead to be honest with you i love that we're both playing open world games that we should be disappointed and not like but we're like both like this is good <laughs> this is fun we're just randomly running around we're just white guys running around in some yep. kind of weird environment just trying not to get blown up by weirdos yeah i will say this the difference the major difference beyond have obvious, dogs, right yeah uh yes uh yeah. the major difference between the two obviously is that beyond all the obvious things is that mad max is entirely sexless yeah. Like I had heard people complaining that the game was like, oh, there's no, there's not broads in it, which true, there are not. I have interacted with one woman so far. Apparently there's a quest to give her later on who's a woman, a badass woman in a wheelchair. But I've interacted with one woman yeah. whose name is Hope, whose daughter is Grace, and they're prisoners and you have to save them. Is there but other like that, a black lady who's like hiding out in the rocks? Because that is literally the last thing I did in that game before I let you borrow it. There are random, there are random people in the world. That oh, you but can not talk named to. characters, not like, not like. Mm, no. Oh, okay, no. okay, okay. There's there only were a couple other survivors names. who were like, "Hey, there's a can of gasoline. Go over there and get that." Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. but it, as far generally speaking, the game is totally like sexless in a way that like eleven year old boy power fantasy is. Yeah. It hundred percent feels like a prepubescent boy's power fantasy. Where it's like. I'm gonna be a big tough guy and i'm gonna have a beard with face paint i'm gonna have a dog and a car it's just so weird because that's really not like cool. not what mad max really it's not a power of well it kind of is like mad, mad max is kind of a badass but it's not like an empowering fantasy you know the if anything is, he's is like that, barely surviving from what like scene to scene um that's that's the pro- that is one of the problems with making a mad Gap max game period it, i was thinking about it and i f- uh, there's a thing that I come across in Robin Hood stories a lot. When in Robin Hood stories, whenever Robin Hood is the focus, usually it's a weaker story for it. Usually the stronger stories are when Robin Hood is a character in it, as opposed to the focus, because then he can be a little more impactful. And yeah. I, c- I keep feeling the same thing about this. I feel like the best Mad Max game would be one where you are not Max. Would be one where you're a secondary character. Maybe the player can create their own character mm. and they have to interact with Max in this world. Maybe Maybe they're trying to coerce Max to because usually the way the narrative goes, Max doesn't want to help. He's yeah. coerced into helping. There's there's a weird thing in this game where in this game, of course, you have to build assets and build these resources that give you immediate bonuses. Yeah. And the the level up guy, Griffa, is like, why are you doing these things, Max? And Max is like, I just I don't want to help anybody. I'm just trying to do my thing. And I'm like, yeah. but you are. You're helping everybody. You're a big old good guy like everything else. And it doesn't really make sense. It would make more sense were you not playing as Max. But who's going to buy a Mad Max game where you don't get to be well, Max? Well, even if you don't play as Max, but like if Max had like 
a third of his health bar. Or, like, you've made him really fragile where, like, sticking your neck out for people can mean you could automatically die very quickly. And it's difficult to actually yeah. help other people. Because like this game... Yeah, I don't know. This game, like any other open world game, doesn't actually get fun until you start powering up enough where you can do cool shit. Like, you're but once you power up enough... Uh, yeah, once you power up enough, then you're not a weak... Like, it kind of undermines the whole story of Max. Yeah, so. like Max like Max powers or powers for the car and stuff? Because I know you're constantly Both. upgrading the car. Both. You upgrade yourself too, my friend. Yeah, I currently that, have... Isn't that you give up to Griffa and you give him, like, Griffo coins? And then he's like, he blows smoke in your face? And then suddenly you get, magic, ma like, superpowers. Well, that's, so, how you, that's how you get to choose. Do I have more health? Am I able to get more water from the environment? It's yeah. basically like you are you are becoming a more... Um, it's like boosting your, your stats. But you also can, independently of that, spend money on your gear. Yeah. Like right now... So, so the nice thing about Mad Max is that you can choose to be largely naked, which I have. This has been a serious uh, disability in terms of my like stats, but I don't give a shit because <laughs> I want to play as largely naked, beardy yeah. Mad Max. That's my power fantasy. And, uh, like, and I've got, like, these ridiculous knuckle dusters. Like, I've got all this shit on my hands that makes them all ripped. And, like, I got these, uh, these, these arm thingies that got, like, uh, spanners sticking out my knuckles so that my punches are even worse. That's my terrible Australian impression. I forgot. No, that's actually a pretty now. good Australian accent compared to what I could do. Shit. <laughs> it's it's more kiwi than anything else. I study the kiwi accent. Know, more. But yeah. Anyway, what are you gonna it's, do? it's a strange. It's. It's also weird in terms of, like, where it exists in terms of Mad Max, because, like, the ambient characters will call him Raggedy Man and stuff like that. They'll and that's weird. They'll call him Raggedy Man. Okay. Raggedy Man. Like, it's the Raggedy Man. Like, the, what Auntie calls him in Thunderdome. Yeah, I was going to say, because like, that's just one of the ambient isn't... barks. Yeah, it's okay, not like, yeah. hey, it's Raggedy Man. They're, they'll say, hey, look at this Raggedy Man. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's like, one yeah, of the barks. Like, yeah, it's... Anthony does like yeah. She only just calls him once at the end of Thunderdome, Raggedy Man. Yeah. You know. Goodbye, but soldier. You, you can slag on. It's really easy to slag on this game for what it's not. When Man. what it is is cool. Like they're like it's very clear that they wanted what they wanted to do was make a beautiful wasteland, and the wasteland is gorgeous. Like, the way the colors change and the day-night cycle is gorgeous. There's a weather system where, instead of rain, you get these lightning storms and these dust storms that'll fuck you up. And it's clear that that was their focus. They wanted to make this, this beautiful, changing world. And it's beautiful. And it's so clear that that's the focus that there are things like, if the storm is raging, this dust storm is raging that will kill you if you're out in it too long. I just had a curiosity. I ran up, ran up to one of those random people in the world that you can talk to and started a dialogue with them during the dust storm. And this cutscene started of this person giving me this info dump. Yeah. And while the storm is raging about us to the point where Max was struck by some debris <laughs> and was thrown out of range of the camera, but the camera was still fixed on this dialogue. He didn't dialogue. die, he just got knocked out of camera range? Uh, out well, of frame, it's like you have, to get hit, you have to get hit a couple of times yeah. to die. But it was, it was just too... I mean, it's like very clear that, they, that what they cared about was this world and the story is just kind of something tacked onto it, yeah. which I'm fine with because it's it's at its weakest when it's trying to tell a story. There are these collectibles in the world that are these historical objects that are artifacts from uh, before and during the fall. 
And boy, howdy, there is no story that needs to be told less than how the world of Mad Max fell. It is like, completely sh- besides the point, yeah. It's like, who gives a shit? Even in and the movies, who- like, they they are as vague as humanly possible about how shit went down, uh, the cities fell apart, there was a firestorm of fear, whatever, it's Mad Max, yeah. we're in the apocalypse, it doesn't matter how yeah, it happened, who cares? the shit has ended, yeah. It oh, really yeah. doesn't matter, but uh, the, no. the worst part is sometimes you'll look at these and he's like, and then Max will have a comment afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, can you think of anything less Mad Max than picking up a picture of a, yeah. a person sitting by a lake and then Max muttering, uh, water, we had so much of it then, it seems wasteful now. Like, that's, that's just not... I mean, that's, that's a big part of the reason why I was so disappointed from the game. Aside from like any kind of like look of the game or the design of the gameplay stuff just the feel of what like what max is even even aside from the fact that he doesn't look like max he looks like super generic video game hero that they just pulled from a template was yeah just like what how max acts as a character is just so it's it's not even they just kind of like made up in terms of how he behaves yeah generic video game protagonist it's not max and i'm not even i'm not even talking about the mel gibson version it's not even the tom hardy version it's just yeah they fucked that up pretty hard it's just interesting because I don't know how you make a conventional video game with that character without breaking him. You know, actually, like it's a Telltale do. game, actually. It's kind of choose-your-own-adventure, kind of, like, story-centric, where, he, like, he's kind of, like, in his own head a lot would be kind of interesting. Where you could still I mean, have a little sh- bit of comments. I don't know. I mean, you could you could make the... I mean, like, for example, a Wolf Among Us with Big B. Big B is a character who's mostly in his own head, and yeah. it, the game actually makes most sense if you play through the game and choose the silence dialogue option, yeah, which is so, an option yeah, that's in Telltale what I'm games. Talking about, yeah. But, man, dude... It, okay, Bill, you are the owners <laughs> of the Mad Max license. I know. Someone you comes up to you and they're like... completely internalized. Well, it's like, no, no, no. Even beyond that, it's like, we're going to make a Mad Max game. You know that really kinetic, violent franchise you have? We're going to make a narrative-based story game. Yeah. No, you make something where you punch people and you drive cars. <laughs> That's what Mad Max is. Yeah. You make a Mad Max car the game before you make a is like, I mean, the car chases and explosions and stuff in this game are cool. But even in terms of, like, essentially with a Mad Max game, you have two options. You can go the kind of the quieter more reserved like road warrior route where max is very quiet and the story there's actually not that much chases it's more just kind of quiet desperation or but you go to the batshit about- crazy fury road uh just non-stop action every moment until the uh, until the story ends action game and it doesn't even do the fury road version of that very well just because it's so i don't know I, I will say this. No one likes Mad Max for the story. Yeah. That is not why anyone goes no, to Mad Max. Mad Max for the tone, though. That's I don't know if yeah. that's what other people like, but it's, it's yeah. Well, that's, it, there are barely any stories in that world, but it's all about the tone. Exactly. And this is what so the game fucks it... up the worst. And also, granted, it's also the hardest thing to carry over in a video game, too. That's that's what I'm about to say. Yeah. It's like you, it's like If you make a story-based game, you're missing the heart of Mad Max. If you make just an action game, you're missing Mad Max. And where this game works are those quiet moments where i where i reach the top of a hill and there's a sandstorm coming in the distance and the sun is setting and like that's where and where it's just like there's a palpable feeling of loneliness yeah. i will say this it should be it should be a game that's a meditation on loneliness but a thing they do they have this character named chum bucket who is your engineer he serves a couple of mechanical purposes in the game yeah. beyond like the literal he fixes your car he's also kind of a 
built-in sort of tutorial sort of where he'll indicate what you should do next he like kind of gives you someone to talk to when you're advancing through the narrative it's it's but it's like kind of weird to do a meditation on loneliness when you're with a character who's constantly talking yeah also chum bucket is interesting because they um it's it's a hard problem to solve for. He sounds like Brad Neely in Wizard People. That's Dear the Weeder. thing that killed me right off the bat. It's just like, but I, I can't even take him serious as a character. Eventually, you do once you kind of drink the Kool Aid, and also, what fucking can you take Auntie seriously as a character? Can you take Master Blaster? Yeah. They're all ridiculous cartoon. But those people characters actually point. had character. Chumbuck is just just kind of like growling hunchback who's just like super religious, kind of just no get. Chum Bucket is a... He would not even be in a Mad Max movie because he's such a generic whatever mutant fucking... He's a Fallout character, not a Mad Max character. Not to talk shit on Fallout, but... But the point is, is that I keep playing the game and I'm like... And I was like, my first thought... I keep thinking a lot about Full Throttle because Full Throttle and Fallout were my introduction to Mad Max. Long before I saw a Mad Max movie, I saw these things very much so inspired by them. And as I'm playing this game, I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great if Chum Bucket were more like Mo, who's the mechanic character in Fallout, who's actually a really interesting character where you have a relation, like you have kind of a complex relationship with her and like also very simple. And it feels much more like a traditional Western sort of relationship. Wait, Mo's in Fallout? I'm sorry, I misspoke. She's in Full Throttle. Okay, she's the lady who... She's the lady mechanic. Yeah, okay, yeah, because you've shown me pictures of her, yeah. But my point is, is that as I was thinking about that, I'm like, the game would come to a shuddering stop if you're you had more of a relationship with this character. Well, that's what I'm saying. This character do better with some more like like yeah, Telltale kind of like character stuff. But there are there are some things, there are some moments in games where uh, character moments where a po- the point of a character is to set something up in a narrative or to serve a very game design purpose, and if they do more than that, then it's kind of for whatever temporary service it may serves your emotional satisfaction as a character it can undermine the game oh yeah and if there were more of a relationship with chum bucket it would be strange yeah. it would be really strange um, and also chum bucket is like the children in fucking uh beyond thunderdome where it's they are someone who expects something from max that he can't give and that he's not necessarily willing to tell them he can't give yeah that's true it's you know but it that's one thing because the kids are only in that movie for like half an hour whereas you have to deal with chum bucket for like 40 hours <laughs> But the the kids in Mad Max aren't doing anything for Max. In this game, he's fixing my car. He's throwing my harpoon. He's like, you know, indicating where there are enemies behind me and where there are some coming. He's telling me when a storm's coming. He's telling me when a tornado is coming. Can we commission the Fulbright guys to make a mod for this game where you play as Anti-Entity? It's the rise of Anti- It explains where she came from and how she wound up building... uh, uh, Barter Town. That's the game. That's the Mad Max game I want to see. Where it's a game you're not playing as Max. He probably wouldn't even show up because why would he even be like you know running? Around? He doesn't even meet Anti Entity until uh, Thunderdome. But you're a woman. You're badass. You're building things. You have to social. She's not. You're not necessarily a bad guy, but you have to like build infrastructure and stuff. That could be interesting. That's all I'm saying. What, know, like, what kind of what I want from Mad Max is almost less story. But again, I genuinely don't know how you tell a story with that character. In a I'm game just realizing what I want like this. is Metal Gear, where you're playing as Tina Turner, 
and, <laughs> and tanks. You're stealing tanks because, like, Metal Gear in the new Metal Gear, you're also building like a home base and you're having to do infrastructure stuff for that. And, like, and, and you could just mod it so instead of like a base out in the middle of the ocean, it's just Thunderdome out in the middle of the desert. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I about. do. I want to stop talking about Mad Max, but there's just one. No, last no, thing no, I, I, I can talk about Mad Max all fucking no, 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 no. day. No, no, I, I, I kind of said everything I want to say, except yeah. for one thing. One of my favorite details in the game is that if Max takes a fall, that won't kill him, but it's a little more than it than he should safely do. Yeah. It, 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 it fucks up his bad leg, and he limps oh, for a little bit okay. before he fully recovers. Yeah. And that's a little detail that I really enjoy that's in cool. the Mad Max yeah. game. So, uh, so, you know, it's like... Go ahead. It's it's a game where you if you just kind of take it at it, the macro level instead of the micro level, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So. Um, so are you actually doing? Because you got a dog at the beginning of the game. Does the dog really come back and do anything? The dog is essentially a uh, an asset on a one particular vehicle. Oh, There's uh, okay, on, okay, okay. on your vehicle the magnum opus. You have Chum Bucket there who helps you throw uh, harpoons and stuff and repairs the vehicle. If you ride in Chum Bucket's car at any point, you, you, the the dog is in the back of it and it helps you detect mines. Oh, okay, so, okay, okay. Yeah, the dog serves a mechanical purpose. Man, I was out bumming around yesterday and I saw a lady walking a blue healer, which is exactly the same dog uh, yeah. Mad, uh, Max has in the Road Warrior. And it took mm-hmm. me, I, I almost geeked out. I was like, oh my god, no, 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 no. I did pet him for a moment, but I didn't. <laughs> Good I didn't on you, bud. You're just keep on freaking out at the lady. I'm like, oh, it's a blue healer, and I know it's a blue healer because my family, they also own Australian Shepherds, and this is also the same doc from Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, produced in 1982, directed by George Miller, starring Mel Gibson. Uh, yeah, so. Um, Speaking I'm of characters. I'm having a time with that game, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really am. It's scratching a very particular kind of itch, kind of like Saboteur, where I'm just enjoying seeing an objective on the horizon. We can flip flop later if you want to borrow Metal Gear. I don't know. I'm really, like I said, I'm really contrary. The more people flip out about that game, the less interested I am in playing it. Uh, Beyond it the was, gender politics aside, it's, it's just genuine contrariness. I mean, I love pets and games, but goddamn, that dog you get in Metal Gear is one of the best dogs ever. <laughs> it, it has a little eye patch just like Snake. It's just, it's so stupid. And you can pet it. There's a dedicated pet button during missions. You'll be in the middle of a firefight, and then you can just stop and pet the dog. And it just I am mad that um, oh. uh, this fucking game lacks a pet dog button. Yeah, that's half the point of it's putting a dog a in a whiff. video game. Granted, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, you were going to say? Uh, I was going to change the subject. Speaking of characters serving oh. narrative purposes, I read, I finished uh, Dragon Age Tras- Trespasser this week, mm-hmm. which is the epilogue DLC for Inquisition. It's uh, really interesting. I won't get into spoilers at all um, because anyone who's intrigued in playing it uh, really should. It's fascinating because you can't help but play it and think about the lessons that Bioware learned from Citadel. Um because the end of Inquisition is kind of a um, a big, like, it's like a high school graduation moment where it's like your last party and everybody chills out. And they're like, you know, see you after summer or whatever. And, like, then they go off and that's kind of the end of the game. In this game, they do a time jump in two years. So this game really genuinely serves, th- this DLC serves as an epilogue. Uh, that shows you what these characters have gotten around to and what uh, their lives are like after the Inquisition. Beyond that, it also serves as a really good epilogue for the game uh, in that you've spent spent the whole game developing this 
you know, this religious paramilitary force that's like this diplomatic power in the world that is linked to no nation. And that's yeah. really intimidating to everyone and what that means to the world at large. And also they, um, I, I can't help but believe in the way the final DLC for Dragon Age 2 set up Corypheus, set up the big bad in um, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. This is very clearly setting up the conflicts for the next Dragon Age game, which I'm enormously excited for. It seems like from what they've implied, and this isn't terribly spoilerly because it's in the trailer, uh, you, you get an initial attack from the Kunari. Finally, the South has acted in such a way that the Kunari can no longer ignore it. And uh, the Kunari are finally starting a more earnest, uh, you could say it's a faction, but there's a more earnest part of the Kunari conflict that's come to the fore. The, one of the like ambient stories in the Dragon Age world is that the continent to the north, where um, the Tevinter Imperium and uh, the Kunari... Yeah, I think you mentioned this last week. Border. Yeah, you were hoping this would become a thing in this DLC, yeah. They're always warring, and this kind of brought more of that war to focus, and uh, it makes me really excited that the next game, the way the DLC ends makes it very clear that that conflict is going to be the core of the next game. And beyond that, an additional conflict that this DLC kind of develops and explores, and it re- this DLC serves just a re- does a really good job of giving you a sense of closure for all your characters and true closure. Because my problem with the Citadel DLC was that uh, for Mass Effect 3, I, what as much as I enjoyed more times with my friends, that wasn't what I needed. I wanted to know what would happen to them because the stakes in Mass Effect were what they were. But at the end of the day, the only consequences I cared about was how it directly impacted my friends. If these things happen in such a way that are inherently poisonous to the people I love, that's what I give a shit about. And uh, this did an excellent job of kind of tying up all those narratives with a bow. The one thing that sucked though, and I'm sorry, this is now fully a rant, but I will be brief. The one thing that sucked was that my canon inquisitor, Geraldo, uh, the Herald of Andraste, is um, in love with Dorian. And the epilogue for Dorian is so not real romantic closure. Uh, it, because it's very clear that the primary purpose of your di- that dialogue with Dorian, that kind of epilogue conversation with Dorian, is to set him up as a prominent NPC in the next game. Because he's in, he's going back to Deventer, and you know this from finishing the game. He's going to Deventer, and he has to deal with that there, and he's going to attempt to reform it from within. So you've romanced him this whole time, and you have this conversation with him where he's like, I gotta go. Which he essentially said at the end of the actual game. He's like, I got, I got a small amount of power. I got to go do my thing. Goodbye. And you're, when you're like, rightfully, uh, what about us? He gives you a crystal that you can talk through and says, don't worry. We'll Skype. It's fine. See you later, sweetheart. Okay. Kissy smooch. That's it. That's the end of your romance. What? And I'm playing this with like tears on my face. And I've been thinking of fan fiction all week. Because, like, this is... I want I want Geraldo to be mad. I want to have maybe a breakup. Like, this is not, like... This is like you're going off to college, but we'll still be... Like, we'll still be... We'll do long-distance yeah. long thing. It'll be fine. And so many of the other romance arcs, because those characters' stories are kind of done, are really grand, sweeping, romantic things. Like, there are real... It's not like the semi-tragic... And, they, and so they winked each other off through Skype for the rest of eternity. Like, it's just... Ugh. Ugh. 
Dragon Age. I love Dragon Age. When's the next one? Mama's Hungry in summation. <laughs> they, they haven't really announced ready. the next one yet or anything, right? No, they haven't. They they won't until hopefully, I hope they give themselves like a good four years at least. I'm sure they've already been working on it for at least Well, I'm two sure years. this is going to be like in terms of Bioware as just a publisher. Like they're, it's, they're going to go into Mass Effect stuff in the next year mm-hmm. or two. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's damn. what they keep on doing. They keep on trading off anyway, so yeah. Don't fully is really mad at me for saying this, but I think I love Geraldo more than I love Femshep. Really? That's yeah. fine. Because I feel a much more stronger sense of who who Geraldo is in the world, and who than who Femshep is in the world. The, also, the people responsible they, for Mass Effect. It's not necessarily the same creative team that does Dragon Age, right? No, they're two different. Like there are some there are sometimes where the writers will help like yeah. tag off, but the creative directors. Are but different. it makes sense that they could have learned lessons from how stuff with Femshep went down in terms of like writing and character agency and stuff like, or player agency and stuff, and like said, oh, well, we can build on that and actually make an even more interesting, well-rounded character out of that. If you if you just put on your game designer hat and you look at those games, can you imagine writing an arc for one character over three games where the ch- player has agency mm-hmm. to alter that character mm-hmm. versus every Dragon Age game is a character whose story is kind of tied up in a bow by the end of the game? Like, that's got to be so much easier. Unless your it's character not even... is just, like, schizophrenic. And <laughs> the story is that Seriously. character losing their mind over the course of three Seriously. games. Yeah. Oh, that's a good but point. Anyway, I didn't think about that. Because I forgot Dragon Age does not have a central character throughout all three games. But it's a different no. character for each Yeah, the solid, world of so. Ferelden is, that makes is sense, the... Yeah. And beyond is the character. The yeah, it would be interesting if, anyway. if Mass Effect uh, switched to a thing, because I'm sure they're planning, like, not just the next Mass Effect, but the next three Mass Effects. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of wondering if they'll still try to do a, a Shepard thing where, where you're playing the same protagonist throughout a, uh, uh, different games, but I don't know. Like, from a... As a player perspective, that's so powerful. Like, I oh, love... Yeah. I have an emotional connection to, to FemShep. See, I love I myself say- more than I love any video game character, so of course FemShep. <laughs> I love FemShep, because FemShep like is me but yeah i say this about geraldo now because i have a very emotional connection to geraldo right now at this moment Why i'm geraldo? feeling very emotionally vulnerable about her not for geraldo but i guarantee you in six months if you ask me that question again i'll be like but my femship yeah, she's my heart also i would fully like fully and i my relationship is kind of drawn into mass effect 2 so it's like it's a lot more of that but yeah. anyway intimation trespasser really good Excellent job, Bioware. They learned all their lessons from Citadel, and they did a better job. It served as a great epilogue to the characters. It served as a great epilogue to the game, and it so That's wet weird. my palate for the next Dragon Age that I am drooling for it. Man. So I forgive you for fucking up the end of the relationship with Dorian, because I understand <laughs> you were serving other narrative purposes, but don't serve two masters. If you don't want to give me an emotionally satisfying romantic end, then don't let me kiss him at all. Signed, Annie. Yeah, and the transcript off to Bioware. Uh, oh yeah. no, I'm glad I really liked it because uh, you and other people, like two or three other people in my Twitter feed, will not shout up about, especially the day I knew the moment when that came out because you it was like you, Leah Weathington, and like one or two other people were like vibrating for the moment so, like that would unlock and they could start downloading it, start playing it, and yeah. My my oh. tenor talking about this with you is very different from my tenor talking to this about someone who can't give. Uh, a oh, shit I, about can imagine, I can imagine. I can imagine. 
Foley and I have been losing, like, I've been losing my shit at Foley all week. I've been sending lots of furious emails to specific parties about this game. And this, I, I love, God, I love Bioware. I really like the stories they tell. The world, the kind of the place they put this in was really good. They brought in some, char- like, they, they just did little things, little drops of old characters from old games are really satisfying. It felt very much so like a loving gift from a storytellers who really are genuinely fond of their audience and i just appreciate it that is best way to leave uh, a story that yeah yeah it was really it was really good but like i said it also served the story in the way that citadel did not so congratulations then yeah um bill tell me about how many times you can watch ultron age of ultron came out on on itunes this like this yeah. week so i was it like night before last i just watched it on a whim i, I hadn't seen it since it was in theaters and i just was kind of curious to see if it held up as well as i remembered it in theaters and then my housemates wanted to watch it the next night and it's a two and a half hour long movie so i watched five hours of ultron in 24 hours it's not a bad cool. movie but i don't know if you can watch it like it's, i don't know if it's five hours in 24 hours uh good but oof um did you ever did you ever see that second uh, avengers movie no no did you see the first one no yeah oh okay do you you don't care I, about the avenger stuff i no okay it's fine i everyone hates this new avengers movie everyone talks about how much worse it is the first one i'm of the camp that like the first one is a miraculously better movie than it really rightly belo- deserves to be that movie should have been an outright disaster i don't think it's necessarily a great film but it's better than it has any right to be and I still, I think the same for the sequel. Ultron's better, especially for a sequel for a movie that should have never worked in the first place. I think yeah. it's pretty good. And also, there's still lots of people who hate the fact that, you heard all about that. We, I'm sure we talked about this on the podcast stuff, about how um, Black Widow calls herself She's a, a monster, monster for not being able to have babies. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I still, I still, I can understand why people, I still people, I, I still think mis- people are misinterpreting that scene and kind of reading it the wrong way. I mean, granted, it's, it's just, I'd like it. I don't know. I'm just, it's one of those things where I was watching and I was like, yeah, this is not necessarily a great movie, but like, it's funny how much I'm just kind of like apathetic towards it, but I'm still like, yeah, I, I, I don't hate it, but I guess that makes me in the minority of the people who actually kind of like it. It's kind of weird, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's not bad. I, I'm, I am really bummed that, um, I'm, I'm not really part of the church of Joss Whedon, or at least I'm not anymore. Mm-hmm. I really dug Firefly. I was kind of, I like Buffy yeah. back in the day. Okay. Angel, whatever, I only saw so much of Angel, but man, like, these movies are so Joss Whedon that yeah, it's going to yeah. be so weird to think that they're going to make, like, three more of these movies not involving Joss Whedon because the characters' voices and the yeah. little verbal jabs and uh, that they, like, they're, everyone's just kind of verbally sparring so much through, throughout these movies that, um, I guess the next, well, I keep on, con- I keep on confusing it with it being an actual Avengers movie, but the next Captain America movie is essentially an Avengers movie because it's the Avengers, it's the Civil War thing where all the Avengers start tearing, like, start going against each other. Um, mm-hmm. And that's being done by the same guys who did this, the last Captain America movie. But yeah, like I said, involving all the Avengers, might as well be, might as well be Avengers three. I'm kind of like they're 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 good writers. They're not bad, but like still, only Joss Whedon is Joss Whedon. I'm kind of miss. I'm gonna miss that authorial voice. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's kind of a shame. That's the one thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that. They're so hell-bent on producing sequels so quickly that no one director or writer can 
stay within a series because you, they end up having to switch off because as soon as they're wrapping up one movie, the next, the sequel already has to be needed production and no one creative team can do that. And so you're kind of losing... Bill, you, you've just described comic books. I know, exactly. But that's funny that like they're essentially... <laughs> You know, but with movies, it'd be kind of like, I don't know, yeah. I, well, we'll be interested it's the to same see thing, if like, that kind of, like, factory kind of cranking out content, regardless of who's in charge of it, works as well for these movies as they do with the comic books. Um, well, but, but it's going to be the same thing. You're going to have people who read every Batman, regardless of who's what team is on it. And yeah. then you'll have people who just care about certain creative teams and otherwise tap in and tap out. Um, the first two or Avengers grudgingly movies. consume other things because it's part of the whole, and then they get disappointed and yeah. whatever. But the first two Avengers movies are so very specifically setting up this confrontation with Thanatos, the big super bad yeah. guy of the whole uh, Marvel yeah. Comics universe. That it, it, it is a real shame that... Wayne's not going to be able to, like, handle that when they finally confront this guy. It's a shame that yeah. he's not going to be able to handle directly. Some people have pointed out that just because he's not directing the next movie, there's no reason why he couldn't come and do a script polish for, like, the third Avengers movie. But yeah, no, mm -hmm. like, it really is. It's it's, it's going to be... Uh, seeing those characters talk with someone else's voice, but with those same actors and everything like that, but not quite as witty, will be kind of weird. It'll be, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's... If there's ever a downfall of... Well, there will be a downfall of the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, but... I think whenever that does happen, one of the things you'll see people ret retroactively look back and kind of see, yeah, the fact that Marvel didn't give people enough time to kind of see their vision out from one film to the other as kind of one of the reasons why maybe things kind of fell apart or, or things started getting a little bit jigglier faster faster than they uh, necessarily should have. Um, I don't know. So, whatever. But I can't imagine being a creator and being asked to make a movie that will fit into a larger context of other movies. Yeah. It just sounds like a nightmare to me. Well, and especially, like, someone, Joss Whedon, you're not just being asked to do one movie, but you're being asked to do a series of movies that have to plug exactly, in. And not even yeah. plug in, but be the centerpiece. They have to... It essentially has to be the receptacle... And it's essentially the river that's feeding the tributaries of all these other stories, too. So you're not just, like, writing one story, but you're also having to, like, tie in little, little bits and pieces of, like, literally a dozen other stories uh, at the same time. And I don't know. It's 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 kind of a shame you can't just, like, see that out to the end and say, okay, that I did three Avengers movie. That is the tale I wanted to tell, and that is it. But I don't know. I could totally see why he just jumped ship, and he's probably just off in Maui right now, just, like, bathing in the sun, but... I don't know. So not the time of Joss Whedon that much. He's not the end all be all of of uh, of movie writers. But like I said, he has such a specific voice that seeing that voice mm -hmm. change will be just really kind of jarring. I think. But it'll also be curious if it's just someone else trying to impersonate Joss Whedon, or is, if they're going to be able to do their be own the worst. thing. Because yeah. Joss Whedon himself can be pretty insufferable sometimes. The only thing that can be more insufferable than Joss Whedon is someone trying to write like Joss Whedon. It's like Aaron Sorkin. Exactly. The only thing Those worse than Aaron Sorkin is someone doing an Aaron Sorkin yeah. impression. Although they wrote an Aaron Sorkin to write an Aaron Nope, stop. <laughs> I'm officially done talking about Marvel. Hey, Bill, did you see the new episode of Steven Universe? No, it was terrible. I hated every minute of it. I just, sat I just watched it and going, Connie's mom, get the hell off my TV. What's wrong with you? Guys, did you know that Steven Universe is really good and you should watch it? Did you Did you see it? I did. It was really good. I just like the fact that Tommy came out to her mom. Yeah, it was Spoiler a really good Steven episode. Universe. Yeah, it was really, really sweet that uh, they finally dealt with the fact that Connie's been hiding from her parents and the way her, her, her mom reacted was really good. Yeah, I was kind of dreading, not specifically this episode, but you know it was something they're going to have to address eventually. And I was kind of dreading... Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I thought they might do something where 
her parents really push back against her being with Steven and doing all this gem stuff. And it might force her to, like, leave her family or some kind of dramatic stuff. And I really am glad that her, her mom was ultimately accepting. She still doesn't know about Stevani, though. But that's, there's a that's lot she episode. doesn't know. There's yeah. a lot she doesn't know. But it's 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 cool. Like, you know, that it's always sweet when you have a thing where it's like a child coming out to a parent and they say, OK, yeah. it, it was in, interesting timing because Foley and I just caught up with the half season finale of Teen Wolf last night, too. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, and uh, Teen Wolf is a dub show, but I really like it. It is so the modern day Buffy in every way, good and ill. There yeah. was a fight scene that felt like it was just the the modern, slightly gussied up version of a fight scene from Buffy back in the day. But there's a big thing where uh, Teen Wolf Alpha, our main Teen Wolf guy, Scott, uh, has uh, his mom knows that he's a werewolf and knows about all this. And there was a really great moment with his mom last night. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I know it's like now it's like a thing, like the parents who are aware and are, are supportive of it, but it still feels good every time. Yeah. We're like, yeah, your mom loves you. Yeah, it feels real good. Mm-hmm. It feels good, real good every yeah. time. I like cool parents. Yeah, cool <laughs> in, parents in media. in media is always nice to see, especially when, yeah, you're dealing with characters hiding stuff and things like that, yeah. It's a type it's of always escapism kind of a, it's sometimes. A, yeah. You know, it's which is kind of nice because there have always been moments where it's like you're, like when you're a kid and you're afraid of sharing, sharing something and mm-hmm. like, I know it can be kind of a trope that it's overused, but God, it feels good. It feels cathartic every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like this the episode of Steven Universe. I was actually getting really aggravated because her mom was being so oblivious and so, like, there's this whole thing where the characters are being attacked by monsters, and Connie and Steven can help defend themselves with this sword that Connie's mom is keeping from the kids. It almost got to the point where I was like, why don't you just knock the mom out and get the sword? If it saves your lives, it's better to, like, save your lives and have to, like, physically have to, like, subdue the mom if it means you guys are still alive to talk about it afterwards. And, but yeah, she finally does kind of give up the sword and everything like that. But yeah, at a certain point, I was starting to get, like... I was getting like anxious, like a literally yeah. anxious. I'm like, yeah. how do we get out of this? And not like, yeah, exactly. again, not just knock good. out the mom, but yeah, it was good tension. And that anxiety paired well with kind of like the silent Hill sort of yeah. hospital vibe. They Which were going totally for. does explain why the hospital is completely empty and that dark and everything like that. A working it's, hospital. It's tone. It's tone. It's a cartoon. Bill, it's a show about alien gems from space. I know, I know, I know. Space queers. The fact that the I mom doesn't like, recognize, like, this giant gelatinous space monster isn't just a sick human. Oh, my but, God, yeah. Bill. And uh, with that, I need to... We're going to take a little break. And we'll be back in a second and do the Geek Week interview. How's that sound? Okay, good lead out. Oh, we're going to go. We're just going to... How about... Fuck it. <laughs> we'll be back. My Amazon is really confused because I use it to buy all of my romance novels. So invariably, it's like a a sea of book covers with uh, shirtless, ab-riddled men. And then Foley uses it for work to buy power tools and stuff. So it'll be like drill bits and tarps and uh you know power saws and all these things it makes me look like a very specific sort of serial killer or something it's pretty pretty darn good my hobbies include confusing amazon and uh you know to be fair even without that i've got all these amazon for our comics video games and books in which people try real hard to shove each other so there we go uh while bill's not here 
Man, that Dragon Age DLC, huh? Okay, he's coming back. Act cool, everybody. Act cool. Hello. Hello! Bill, have you ever heard the story that in old in old toilets, uh, it was really hard in like uh, in like uh, old uh, not even toilets, but like uh, piss pots and stuff. That when they were porcelain, and if you pissed in a particular place, it wouldn't splash. So they would put a bee in that spot as something for dudes to aim for. And the Latin word for B is apis, A-P-I-S, which is why we call it pissing. Have you ever heard this story? No, where'd you hear this from? I don't even know. It's one of those things that I'm sure is an urban legend. That Here sounds like an urban Piss. legend, but it sounds like a pretty... I think even to this day, like, urinals in men's shops will sometimes have, like, a little spot you're supposed to pee at, so, you, like, it creates, like, the minimum amount of mess. But that's yeah, funny I mean, that, the, like, the that might actually part... go back to... The P part, the, the B part is true. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about the oh, origin why of the word piss, though. Oh, no, that doesn't work. Because here we go. Piss is from the late, uh, the old French pissier, which means to urinate. From the vulgar Latin pissiare of imitative origin. Hmm. I, that's, that was going to be my problem, is that a B seems, seems to be completely random. Yeah. Um, if it was, or maybe it's vice versa. That's what it is. I bet you it's backwards. Yeah. That people would put a B on there as a pun. Like maybe that's the, what my theory. Maybe is. the French. Fully, you have you have no shirt on. You can't walk by what I'm doing and Google. Hey, yeah. She's flashing hey, fun man. Yesterday we were. <laughs> yeah, keep laughing, buddy. It's gonna be on Google forever. <laughs> um. Yesterday, we Foley was in our living room, and oh uh, we were just talking, and she was standing there, and she just gotten out of the shower, and she was shirtless. Yeah. Uh, the fire department, there's a fire department not too far from our house. Oh, that's right, and yeah, the there fireman, is, yeah. The fireman was just, they just, the, the engine stopped at our street corner to yeah. turn, and the dude who's on the back, who, who controls the caboose of the fire engine, is up higher than everybody else, and he just happened to be at an angle that he can see right through our window at the top of our door, and right into Foley's titties. Oh, very nice. Congratulations. Yeah. So, good. Foley flashed a man. A man's on your titties. Well, and, now, and he enjoyed it. And now, theoretically, perhaps any of y'all. So, good job. Enjoy. Now this that, is Foley's big topless weekend. These guys are only like two blocks away. <laughs> now that guy's going to tell everyone else, man, you go to that, that, that yellow house in the corner of so and so, you're going to see some titties. That's my thing. I'm like, he is usually on the caboose. Like, every time they stop at that corner, there, he's going to be looking. Is he going to studiously look away? Or is he going to surreptitiously glance in that direction every time? I think he's going to point to the house and say, hey, guys, this is the house. Hey, this guys. Is it. Uh, I don't know. I like my prayerful virginal uh, firefighter fan fiction yeah. where he's. this is a real dramatic crisis for him. I think so. if you're a public service person in Portland, Oregon, you're going to see some lesbian titties on a pretty consistent basis. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's the thing you can observe, Phil. All right. Let's do it. Hey everybody, it's time for the Geek Week in Review. This is the time where we review the news in the week that was. Uh, once again, for those of y'all who may not be familiar, this is me reading the news for the first time as Bill has written them. And I do not know what he has written, so let's see what we are <laughs> going to do. It's always a fucking magic together. box that he's opening. Uh, first off, Apple Blarg. This week, Apple introduced the iPad Pro with a $100 stylus and a new eh Apple TV. There's no groundbreaking cord cutting digital cable stuff here. It's just an iPhone 6 that you hook up to your TV and can play games on using a new Wiimote style mini remote. 
I just realized because you guys are opting out of the whole Apple infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. So the the only reason I put this on there, I thought I'd get your guys' opinions as to whether or not you guys might ever be tempted to uh, buy into this, but I guess not. Shit. Okay. Well. The the only advantage of an Apple TV at the time was that we were using we like that was where we predominantly bought all of our media. Yeah, that was about to and say, now yeah, exactly, we'll yeah. Now we like if we buy a TV show, we just buy it on Amazon yeah. and stream it on any of our billion devices that uh, do that. See, yeah, we just rip and handbrake everything, so uh, our content isn't necessarily locked into iTunes. Although I have bought a lot of stuff on iTunes, uh, but in terms of, like the vast majority of the movies and TV shows that we've ripped from DVDs and and and, and made digital, uh, that stuff could be moved anywhere. But since uh, me and Joshin both have Mac computers. It's just easiest to mm-hmm. default to iTunes and all sure. that stuff. And I still use the hell out of Apple TV, but I was really disappointed because uh, it sounded like they were going to announce Apple TV at their spring tech conference, and they pulled the plug at the last minute. The rumors were because they were about to announce that they had some kind of like groundbreaking, uh, yeah, cord-cutting measure with a whole bunch of different content producers and channels where it was going to be like... Instead of getting cable, we can offer you most of the cable channels you could ever get uh, like for cheap digital package via Apple TV. It would be a legitimate competitor to cable television as it's always been known and would be the first real consolidated digital like television package and because and everyone was hoping for this because apple is one of the few companies that's big enough it could kind of browbeat all these different media companies into letting them saying hey cartoon network this channel these guys over here mtv we want you to make your stuff cheap and available for streaming online vr tv service and that's what everyone was kind of expecting, or at least that's what I kept on hearing people that what at least some tech tech experts were expecting. But no, they announced it, and there was nothing about any kind of programming other than how the uh, Apple Wiimote can be used for like some kind of clicking and stuff, interface stuff. But in terms of like actual programming for the Apple TV, nothing. It was all just mm-hmm. like, yeah, the fact that you can download games and play games on the new Apple TV, and. The fact they have kind of a Wemo controller for that kind of stuff was kind of the big news, which is who gives a shit. It's hmm. and it's 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 funny too because uh, just like right before the the last spring press conference, where everyone was expecting like ground shaking uh, Apple TV news, uh, before this press conference, the entire gaming industry suddenly became convinced that uh, this new version of the Apple TV was also going to be Apple's official method of getting into the games industry and this new apple tv would be as much of a game new game consoles as it would be a set you know desktop tv device turns out no yeah it's it's it really is just an iphone that you can just also control with like a little wii mode thing um i'm much more curious about what amazon is going to do in that regard yeah because they were making inroads into video they bought like video game studios and stuff but they haven't done anything with them yeah the difference is, is that Amazon has invested in developers, whereas Apple yeah. never... That's not the point of Apple. Apple Apple's never cares. For as much as Apple has fucked up gaming by drawing all these resources away from console development towards mobile gaming, Apple has never really had a focused gaming thing in terms of, like, development. I mean, God knows, yeah, they've never invested in any developers or anything like that. But for... It just even as a gaming platform, they've never, like, even the only thing they've ever done, they've had that gaming center thing where, like, essentially like, you can keep track of achievements and, like, make friends and, like, follow other people uh, socially on the, was it, is it, I think, I think, is it, like, game center or whatever. And even that, they've, like, updated that once or twice and it works terribly and there's no real reason to log into it. They've never taken gaming seriously, despite the fact that, like, they've fucked up the gaming industry. 
like crazy. Well, they may be not fucked up, but they've at least you can say they've at least have an impact. But Definitely yeah, at least Amazon is actually trying industry. to do something with developers, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and also Amazon, Apple has existing things that you can see would. Like just it'd just be like the iTunes store but for games. Yeah, like exactly, or like yeah. something like that is on your Apple TV. Like there there's like a language for that. Amazon is starting to do those things, but they also tend just to adopt what other people have done yeah. and, and just do it slightly differently. I don't know. I don't know. Hold on just one second. <laughs> Annie just she she muted her mic and now she's running away from the mic. I'm not quite sure if uh, fully setting a fire in the background or something like that. Uh but yeah, the other big thing was uh, the iPad Pro, which as someone who uses, I have a big Cintiq, um, a, you know, big stylus uh, touchscreen thing that I actually draw on for most of my gaming maps and all the art I saw online. And so this game, this iPad Pro was kind of tempting because if it could, one of the big things they announced is it's got a stylus. It's a big screen that, you know, it's inherently portable. It's got a stylus so you can draw on it. And so everyone's like, oh, that's kind of like, that could be kind of a Cintiq competitor. And you could also kind of do something similar to, Annie, have you heard about the Microsoft Surface? Do you know anything about yes. that? Which is Microsoft's yeah. big, you know, you can tablet that you can draw on and stuff like that. Essentially, it's is a portable laptop PC? in a tablet form. Yeah, it's a tablet PC. Yeah. Um, I know a number of cartoonists who use that as their primary drawing device. Yeah! And so I guess the iPad Pro is, is Apple's uh, answer to that. And, but of course, it's like crazier expensive. The stylus costs a hundred bucks, which sounds fucking crazy for something that you could accidentally lose at any moment's notice. Uh, leave in your pocket to get run through the wash. To charge a hundred bucks for that is fucking nuts. Granted, styluses for Cintiqs and Wacom's can be expensive. I think the stylus for my giant Cintiq that I've got is like 70 bucks. But that is a big giant pen that you're not taking out with you that's going to get lost on the bus or like run through the uh, wash or anything like that. This, the Apple thing, it's a tiny, it's essentially a little plastic pencil that they're charging 100 bucks for. I'm sure there's kind of crazy technology in there. But still, the fact that they're charging 100 bucks for that is fucking nuts. Bill, I'm just going to point out that you're shocked that something from Apple is extremely I know, but this expensive. is Apple being more Apple than usual. This is the kind of shit that... That is Apple being exactly as Apple as they've always fucking been. Hey, we're going to develop this very specific proprietary technology for this cord that you power your thing into. Now you have to buy our expensive cables that can only do it. Yeah, like, there's no, a design like, reason behind it, but it's always results in a higher price point for the consumer. And they made- pay it. People made a big deal when they first announced, when, when Steve Jobs first announced uh, the iPhone. Uh, one of the things when he was announcing what the form factor for the iPhone would be, that it was just going to be a, a tiny little slate that's just touchscreen. One of the things he came, when he, when he announced it, he was like, well, uh, of course, when we were talking about having a touchscreen phone, everyone was like, well, well, you need a stylus for this. And he was like, no, we're not going to have a stylus. Stylus, it's besides the point, it's something you can lose. You don't want a stylus. Use your finger. The like that's it's just overcomplicating things. You just make it as simple as possible. Fast forward like seven or eight years. Here we are. Oh, okay. Now we knew have a new. We're we're back to styluses again. It seems like Apple sliding back in terms of like overcomplicating shit. Aside from the fact that they have so much tech on the market now, anyway, and the fact that they like, well, that's this the iPad Pro How that else? they announce, they announce it like it comes with this keyboard. And essentially, it's a makeshift laptop anyway. The size of the screen is essentially if you took the screen off a MacBook Pro, ripped it off, and and made the interface a touchscreen rather than the uh, keyboard thing. But then they still like they, they there's still like a two hundred dollar uh, two hundred fifty dollar keyboard that you can buy for it. So you essentially you, oh, you t- essentially just took the MacBook Pro 
broke it up into pieces so you can sell it back to the uh, uh, Apple people in parts for more expensive than it would cost just to buy a MacBook Pro. Even though it's supposed to be like the super simple slate that doesn't need a keyboard, need a stylus, but it's essentially kind of turned, I don't know, it's it's this real backwards kind of way of thinking that. This is the one of the few times, this is the first time where Steve Jobs not being in charge of the company is starting to become apparent where I'm like, I don't think Steve Jobs would have been down for how overcomplicated all this shit is becoming. And especially if they're charging I mean, the so much for all these individual pieces, it just sounds crazy. At least the iPhone love, is just the iPhone by itself. It's just one piece, but I don't know. I'm sorry, go ahead. I love the iPad, but every time I use it, I'm like, damn, I wish this just had a keyboard. And every really? time I would try to draw on it and how easy it was, I would just be like, fuck, I wish I had a stylus. No, iPads so just, aren't for, that's, no. But, I mean, but my point is, is that, like, if the, these things that they're like, oh, do these things, you don't need those tools, I would always wish I had them. Yeah. So they're just listening to consumer demand, A. B, it's really working well for Windows and the Surface, so why not chase that buck? C, what else do you do to establish newness? The thing with brands is always newness. What's new? What's fresh? It's form factor, it's size, and it's also how you interact with it. Because the iPad, a thing I can touch. Oh, I can touch it to varying degrees, whatever. I've been stroking my tablet for years, man. <laughs> What's new, buddy? And I know a lot of people actually do use the Surface, the Microsoft Surface, as a drawing device. That's what yeah. killed me is like in in the fucking hype video for this this uh, video for for the uh, I, iPad Pro. They show someone drawing on it, and you can see this is the best possible footage they could have captured with this thing. It's super laggy. They show someone drawing with it, and like the line keeping up with the line couldn't keep up with the stylus, and that's someone drawing very slowly and surely. I'm like, that's yeah. Technically, yes, you could draw with that, but that's not going to be anything remotely replicating what I'm assuming you can do with a Surface. It's damn sure not anything remotely close to what a Cintiq or a Wacom can do. And this is a well, thousand the thing, dollar the thing where one of their big things is, hey, you can draw on it. It's like the whole idea, if I were an artist and I needed to buy a drawing device tomorrow and I couldn't afford a Cintiq, I'd buy a fucking Surface. And you know why? Because it's just a PC. So I don't have to get some sort of proprietary iPad only Well, that's app. what I'm saying, too. And the technology's already been improved enough. It's more like actual drawing. Apple and Greg, Apple can use the defense, well, this is our just first big like Surface-style tablet that we're making, so of course the technology is lagging a lot, uh, behind a little bit. But that's not really an excuse. You already have the, the competitor's technology out there. You should be looking for it at least a year or two ahead to see how much better you can make it. And especially for the price they're charging, you'd think it would at least be on par with the Surface, but it doesn't even seem to be that. Like, it's just, man, what are you doing, Apple? Fuck. I will say this... This is not terribly dissimilar from the conversation we have every time about being a PC person versus a console person. Yeah. Why do you get a console? It's easy. Why do you get an iPad? It's easy. But this it's is one cool. of the times where the console it's is branded. so far behind the it's PC, easy. like almost intentionally, where you kind of wonder why they even bother. But or the people who want something easy don't care. <sighs> yeah. That's like if I get if I get Fallout Four for PC, then I could do all these my mods, and I could do this, and I could do that. But or I could just fucking put it in my. Most console. iPads are used for super casual bullshit, but when you put the name yeah. Pro on there, you're ex that was interesting. You're making it sound like it's for professionals, and that is not a professional grade tablet. I don't even know that much about the Surface, and I can already tell you that the Surface seems to be a lot more capable than this thing is. So that's yeah. the thing. As a professional, I would love to use that device if it actually looked like it worked correctly. And it yeah. doesn't. And the fact that you have to... Yeah. It's just... And and the fact that it's not... Yeah, it's not an open thing. It's all tied to Apple stuff, so you can't, like, install your own software on there. I'm sure... 
God knows if like how much Photoshop costs to run on that thing because you can't just like I yeah. don't know. It's just yeah. It's that, well, the, 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 this the, is our modern it's world, for my casuals. Friends. Argument goes out the window when you when you call something the pro. Is all it's for pro level casuals. Yeah. It's like uh, when it, when you look at cameras, there's consumer level level cameras, there's pro yeah. level cameras, and then there's prosumer cameras. Yeah. This is for prosumers, my friend. Yeah. Did you know there are other notes? Yeah. Did you know there are other notes that give quick like for example. Weirdly enough, Nintendo announced its first big mobile game the same day as Apple's press conference, but not at Apple's press conference. Yeah, I was convinced that they were going to do that. Like, because they, they, they know they, they said they, they were going to announce a game this fall. But they hadn't announced that they were partnering with iPhone, right? They had talked explicitly about partnering with an Android developer, right? Oh, did they? Well, that's a good point, actually. Uh, so yeah. they don't have a partnership with Apple, so why would they talk as part of it? Yeah, that's a good thing? point. Uh, that game will be Pokemon Go, which will be an augmented reality game that lets you hunt and capture Pokemon in real-world locations, and will offer a Pokeball-shaped bracelet that'll let you catch Pokemon in the wild, say, at the bus stop or while walking to work, without having to bust out your phone. Sounds cute. The horrifying thing is they're gonna have to put real Pokemon out there for you to catch. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen Miyamoto out there with his basket? Just sprinkling just them everywhere, Pokemon like Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> he just slowly, he's Pokemon. been spending the last two years, instead of working on Mario games, yeah. he's been like slowly making his way through all of Tokyo on foot. Just like, okay. Why do you think they did Mario Maker? You guys do it. Miyamoto's busy. <laughs> he's like, guys, yeah, we need to hold everyone over because I'm going to be too busy on foot. I have to put a Pokemon, I have to put Charizard, I had Charizard in the bus, in the bushes behind the bus stop in Shinjuku Dear- Station. Dear yeah. boy, howdy, listeners. I am aware that Miyamoto is not involved with Pokemon. Signed, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a goof. P.S. This is just a goof. Oh, Love, God. loves and kisses. Oh, hey, you're not a real gamer, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I'm no, that's not. Kinda, no, 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 no. That's that's interesting. That yeah, no, it's it's. I, I shouldn't be surprised it's that it's idea. a Pokemon game. Is that their first big mobile thing? But I do love the fuck yeah, that's a little watch that's shaped like a Pokemon uh, Pokeball that you tap somehow. Like yeah, you, you use that to capture the Pokemon in the wild. I don't know. It's cute as shit. Especially in any game that requires you to actually go outside and collect stuff. Rather than just yeah. like sitting well, in bed. I mean, you actually have to, you, you have to take advantage of the fact that it's a mobile game. Yeah. This is the logical evolution of all the DS features. Where, like, street exactly. Link exactly. Stuff, yeah. You know? Except it's something that's actually on you yeah. at all times. So. so it'll be interesting to see. I'm very curious to see uh, how Nintendo's mobile stuff evolves. Hopefully it becomes like a nice thing where... Like their mobile games evolve and become it becomes almost a side industry aside from the console stuff. I'm sure it'll tie back into console stuff somehow. But it'll be nice. To, I don't know. They, they could do some amazing things on mobile that they can't do on the DS. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Especially with the new hardware coming out next year. I'll be curious to see if the new hardware ties into any of this stuff too or what. But I don't know. The future is going to be really interesting for Nintendo. That's crazy. Bonus, this Pokemon bracelet show uh, operates as a instant cool guy indicator. This is true. Walking the street, yeah. you see that bracelet, you know it's a cool guy. <laughs> Annie, do it's you have a cool preference guy. for any Pokemon? Well, like, who is your favorite Pokemon? Uh, you know, I have played a little bit of Pokemon. So little that I can't even tell you what Pokemon I played. Yeah. What is my favorite Pokemon? You think at some point, Fuck. just by virtue of like paying attention to video games, though, after a while, you're gonna like, oh yeah, at least you could recognize like maybe up to a dozen different Pokemon, though, just from here. I'm gonna yeah. name as many Pokemon as I can think of. Okay, Pikachu, uh, Mewtwo, or I would say it Mewtwo, yeah. uh, Mewtwo, uh, Charizard, Squirtle. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of the the cat guy that was a Team Rocket? Meowth. Meowth. That's it. Okay. That's all I got. Um, That's all I got. 
I know Psyduck because that's what uh Psyduck, yes. Yeah. yeah I know I know of Psyduck. had I thought about it some more I would have thought Psyduck, of Psyduck. Psyduck's, Psyduck's yeah. may still be my favorite and there's Snorlax the big fat guy who I'm shaped like. So of course I like Snorlax. <laughs> but that's pretty much the number of Pokemon I know too. Which is funny cuz yeah. I played like one of the more recent Pokemon games. There was a Fire Pig, but I can't remember his name. He was great. Anyway, so Bill are with our abbreviated list of obvious and popular Pokemon, it makes it really easy for us to catch them all. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> catch them all you recognize or care about. Oh. Uh, in other news, Variety accidentally published an obituary for Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam t- took this some pretty cute stride. But yeah, it's 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 funny how people. I used to work at a newspaper company, so it was already it was a known thing that like. Pretty much every celebrity already has pre-baked obituaries for all the major newspapers. Sure. And, right, it's what uh, you do. So every once in a while, yeah, one of these pre-baked obituaries, you know, because you want to make it so that the moment someone dies, you already have a well-written, thought-out, researched uh, obituary, obituary ready to go. Especially, like, anything sure. like if presidents, former presidents and stuff like that. Those were, I think that's the first people they, they, they started to do this with, like, a long time ago, but then it's pretty much everybody. But yeah, for some variety, just accidentally leaked their one about Terry Gilliam. And so Terry Gilliam's like, well, I'm not dead yet, but that's actually kind of a nicely written obituary. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah. It it's one of those things, like, where you want to go to your own funeral, just hear what they say. Yeah, exactly. Terry Gilliam yeah. got to go to his own funeral, which to... kind of sounds like a Terry Gilliam movie. So. Yeah. Um, especially uh, Variety being the big entertainment magazine in, in Hollywood, too. That's that's really, he really did get a, get, he got to catch a glimpse of what, how Hollywood would be eulogizing him when he's dead, so... If anything, that's incentive to go out and, like, if you want to flesh out your uh, obituary a little bit, like, okay, I got maybe 20 years left. <laughs> what what remarkable stuff can I try to slip in that obituary? You know, what can so we, now he has, a, he has a post-obituary bucket list. Exactly, exactly, me. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, let's see. Star Wars episode 5, 6, 7, 8, 5, <laughs> 6, 7, 8, 8. <laughs> I'm bad at math, y'all. <laughs> what's what's three plus five that took me a minute uh the ryan johnson one is to begin filming on the tiny irish isle of skellig michael this month yeah so it sounds like uh i think i know what scene they're filming but it's cool that they're like it doesn't sound like they're going to be uh doing most of the filming for that movie until next spring but for some reason, they're, um, well, they filmed uh, some part of Episode 7 the same time last year there, too. And so I think for continuity purposes, they're they're filming right now rather than waiting another year uh, to film there mm-hmm. next spring. Because I think, yeah, it's super Irish. Uh, it's it's um, super green. I think it's uninhabited. <laughs> well, I guess there's, I like, know. an old castle there with, like, a bunch of plants mm-hmm. and shit. Like, it's like a UNESCO, like, private sanctuary kind of place now. And, uh... Yesterday I had a sick day and I stayed on my ass and I played, uh, I watched a lot of Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. And there's one episode, Comedy Bang Bang is a fake talk show and it's just an excuse for all these comedians to have great goofs. But there's this one episode where they do a cop swap where the band leader, Reggie Watts, is swapped with a police officer. And the the talk show host is like, like, you can't do any music. The whole job of Reggie is to do intros and outros. And finally at some point the cop goes... I can sing, I know one song, I can sing a song as your outro, and it, it sums up the Irish experience, and the the last line of this song that he sang was, they filmed Saving Private Ryan here. <laughs> I keep thinking that all day. So now he has an additional thing for his thing. That's exactly, my explanation, exactly, yeah. explaining a joke um, from Comedy Bang Bang. Uh... 
Star Wars, Star Wars. Also, Who's Star Wars lands at Disney by Parks to officially month, begin Brian Johnson will have filmed year. some of his Star Wars movie. I think our internet connection is going... Oh. It did. The internet just died. Like, good ra- um, all good radio showed where the internet connection dies. Hello. I can hear you even though your picture is totally frozen. Oh, okay. Well, then continue, my friends. Uh, what's fully torrenting? I don't know if she's torrenting anything. She's in the next room. She's probably downloading. She downloaded more uh, Teen Wolf's. Teen, we teen we Wolf's don't torrent, my friend. We really? legally purchase. We have oh, a season pass to that dumb show. I still, you know what? I found out that Great British Break Off is available for download on iTunes in the UK, but not here. That Fuck fear, I almost, I'm this close to actually thinking about getting a UK iTunes account just so I can get the highest possible. Because it's such a pretty show. And you want to see the cakes in HD. And, like, you know, I would also like to financially yeah. support the show. But anyway, yeah. Um, you still there? Yes, I am. Did you have something to say about the Star Wars lands that I missed? Uh, oh, Star Wars lands. Oh, so you, I guess you read that whole part. Man, we are really messed up right now. Um, Here, well, we can start over. Here, it'll be like a thing. Okay. Next on the geek, next on the geek week interview, Star Wars lands at Disney parks to officially begin construction next year. Yay! <laughs> I get it, just Star Wars news. But yeah, no, that officially came out. So I'm assuming that means by like 2017, which I think would that be when the last new like Star Wars trilogy movie comes out, like Episode Nine. Which that totally makes sense. They would have that up, want want to have that up and running for the for the all the Skywalker movies to finally be over. Uh, yeah, enough. Uh, me and uh, me and Jimmy and Conley would be super excited about that. Yeah, have you talked to Jimmy and Conley no about their trip? To, they they just came back from Disneyland like a week yeah, ago. Yeah, they had a great little trip. It sounds like they had lots of Dole Whip. I saw some photos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, did you see the the footage of the Grand Hall Californian Hotel that I'm thinking about staying at down there? No. Like this big Californian lodge thing. I need to send you a YouTube video that I found about it. It just looks super goddamn pretty. So anyway, I'm going to shut up. Miyamoto confirmed that Star- Super Mario Brothers 3. I almost said Star Wars. God damn it. Too much Star Wars talk. <laughs> ah, bo- bo- bo. Confirmed that s- he confirmed that Super Mario Brothers 3 never really, quote unquote, happened and was just a stage show put on for the player by the Mario characters. Yeah, which this is big news to anybody, to everybody this week. But like, I'm like, did you ever play Super Mario Brothers 3? Do you remember anything about Super Mario Brothers 3, Annie? Wait, 3 was, 3 was the one. Yeah, I remember 3. I mean, that was the one with the whistle and everything. Yeah, that's the one that starts up, like, the curtain pulls up and like everyone's on the stage. And, like, Mario and Luigi are kind of, like, tussling with each other. I think they're kicking a Koopa shell at each other. But, yeah. like, you can see in the background, like, everyone, everything is being suspended by wires and, like, bolted onto the yeah. background. I mean, that's kind of, like, yeah. and even the end of the game, when the credits roll, like, the curtain comes out and it says the end. So, it's, there's not, it's, 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 you can tell that, like, there's this, like, kind of weird artifice to the game. But, yeah, I guess this week it took them, took uh, Miyamoto, like, 25 years to come out and say, oh, yeah, no, there really is just a stage play. Like, what you're seeing is just for the player's benefit and didn't actually happen. When, like, everything that you're doing is just, like, it's just for fun, I guess. So, I ple- I yeah. love the idea of an adult 
human, let's be honest, an adult male being flabbergasted by the concept that this game was performative and not a deadly serious incident. Yeah, that was that was like everyone on the internet, like Neo Gaff was like, oh my god. Like, minds are fucking blown. I'm like, yeah, it's almost like the Japanese have a weird sense of whimsy. And like, it's also if you just paid attention, it would seem kind of obvious, but yeah. Yeah. In other news, J.K. Rowling says we've all been pronouncing Voldemort the wrong way. So how do you think it should be pronounced? How do you pronounce it? Didn't she? I say Voldemort. I just did it. You say it like the kind of the pseudo Frenchy Latin it way. We broke up again, so I didn't hear it. So I'm assuming you said Voldemort. Yeah, exactly. I said Did you see how she says it should be pronounced? Didn't she say it was like Valdemert or something? That's what I, before I clicked on the article, I spent like a minute thinking like, how else would you pronounce fucking, it's Voldemort. Like, there's not too much wiggle room here. And I clicked on it, turns out it's supposed to be a French pronunciation, Voldemort, you just don't pronounce the T. And ah, she says Voldemort. that she's the only person in the whole world who doesn't pronounce the T, and but she's never pressed the issue because it's so weird for everyone else. But it's supposed to be like a French, like I know the name is supposed to be, I think even within the Harry Potter canon, I think his family is supposed to be like kind of French weirdos or something like that. So I guess it makes oh, sense. Oh man, CNN is totally passive aggressive about this. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the CNN article for this. Oh no. He who must be not be named is now also he whose name has been pronounced wrong. So says Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, which incidentally rhymes with bowling about the pronunciation of Loge Voldemort, the blockbuster series creepy villain. The fracas pronounced fracas, according to Mer- <laughs> wow. Merriam-Webster, although the British pronounce it fraca, began quietly with a tweet from a Potter fan, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, but I'm just like, wow, dude, passive-aggressive much? This wow, he's angry about this. Yeah, you got a spurn Harry Potter reader there. Uh, but I'll also say this. She felt strongly enough about how people were saying Hermione. She wrote Hermione correcting someone into the book. What she should have had was during one of those scenes with Voldemort and the Death Eaters, maybe one of the new recruits says it wrong and Voldemort snaps him and says, the tea is silent. <laughs> Solve oh, your problem, JK. What do you think? You think after a while, when everyone's saying Voldemort's name, but Voldemort doesn't do anything about it, you think there would be a scene where everyone goes like, you think we're pronouncing it correctly? Because, like, <laughs> we've been saying it, and he hasn't, like, showed up and tried to kill us, so maybe we're just saying it wrong. I'm making fun, but now I'm imagining writing a series of books that are internationally acclaimed, that become a series of movies, and the first time someone says it wrong, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Just don't be a dick. Don't yeah. be that person. And then, like... 18 years later exactly. of butthole clenching, you have, like, pooped a series of diamonds <laughs> from every time someone's done it wrong. Yeah, oh, and you finally, it's just like, yeah, just a little, and then CNN wolf. gets really catty about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, trying on you crazy diamond, J.K. Rowling. Wishbone celebrated its 20th anniversary on Thursday. Sadly, Bill hilariously jokes because what's funnier than dog death? The dog did not. That's correct. Soccer and the other two dogs that played Wishbone are probably dead. What were the no, dogs? Definitely was it like dead. Soccer and something else. Yeah, I only know. I can only remember Soccer's name because I got to meet Soccer, so that was the Wishbone that How I most cared about. How did you not steal him? Because I was in a mall with a thousand other teenagers. Really? Was there that many people that see Wishbone? 
fuck yes, there were. Uh, oh, also, man. Joe was there, and also the mom was there. Oh my god, it was really? a huge. And the dude who did the voice of Wishbone was there. So, hopping to the mall. Was he? It was also at a time when dog, malls like were culturally he was, like, relevant. The voice of the so. dog there live. Yeah, like he he was he did the, that wasn't the actual dog's voice. I know, but I'm just I didn't know if they put on a performance a little bit where like he just on the on the cuff was like, oh, oh. Wishbone, how you doing? I want to shake your hand. Where he during the interview pretended to be Wishbone. No, he did not. I would have probably uh, enjoyed okay. that more. But that's so sad because the dog. If I like, if you have Wishbone the dog there, and you have the guy who does the voice, you're obligated for at it least five minutes. Voice. Have the guy stand behind a curtain. And like a little camera on on wishbone, so you can see what wishbone's <laughs> doing. I mean, like when he when the wishbone goes off to sniff someone's butt, he's like, mm, "What's your butt smell like?" In wishbone's voice, you know, kind of like hold on, like live- my nuts are delicious. Let me take a little break here. <laughs> Man, wishbone, oh, wishbone was the best. I love that damn show. Not as much as Annie, who had a fan site and everything like that, but wishbone was awesome. Wishbone was the shit. I'm not saying wishbone that as some kind of cool like. Place retroactively hipster thing but like wishbone i genuinely loved that damn show back in the day and i still love it too i still think it's like uh an ultimate force for good in the universe it's a really cute conceit to get people a base familiarity of uh this sort of stuff and uh make it relevant to their modern lives they put so much hard work into that show to have like the same three actors pretending to be in like ancient greece and then robin hood times and then oh it was great yeah love that oh wishbone Anyway, in other news, Glenn Clean. I can say this. I can say his name correctly. Hold on, Glenn Keen, notable Disney animator, released a promo for a tech talk he's giving next month, where he draws Ariel and Beast in 3D using a VR headset and a 3D modeling tool. Uh, yeah, I should have had you watch this before we uh, recorded this because it would have been more, <laughs> we could have actually talked about this. But uh, just interesting to see. Uh, yeah, legendary animator, probably maybe one of the greatest animators that ever, ever worked for Disney, actually try to draw. Yeah, both Ariel and Beast in real life with like he has a virtual reality headset on, and then he's got this device that like it's not a pen though. It's almost like a like a paint roller brush, but with like a like a fine tip at the end so you can like make mark a uh, 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 a spot in space and then draw out from that. Like, of course, in real life, you can't see anything, but if you've got the virtual reality headset on, you can see that, like, you're essentially leaving a three-dimensional trail in space. And so he's drawing these, yeah, it's not even a full-body sculpture, but it's just, like, he'll draw, like, Ariel's face, and her hair will just be, like, on a different layer, depth-wise, from her face and stuff, so it's kind of like a flat, Mm -hmm. like, almost like flat two, like, almost like pieces of a set. So it's not like he's, Mm -hmm. like, making a three-dimensional, like, roundness of her face and her hair and everything like that, but kind of interesting, but it's kind of weird to see like such a great artist a drawing with essentially like it's not a pen tool but like this big clumsy like robot tool stylus thing yeah. but like yeah it's kind of interesting to see it's 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 i'll i'll put a link in the show notes if, pe- if people want to check it out but it was more yeah there's not much news to talk about other than the fact that like yeah this was just a promo done for a speech that he's giving at some kind of tech talk next month but i don't know, we're just huh. kinda, I don't know. i was just really impressed that he could draw that well with such a big clumsy it's like trying to draw with a soda can in your hand <laughs> draw sure. ariel's face make her look pretty but like yeah. yeah it's just like do it with like a, a, a pencil that's attached to a soda can like yeah that yeah. kind of thing so huh. anyway in other news they're gonna try and make a king kong versus godzilla movie after the next two films starring each character comes out skull island and godzilla 2 what do you think about it? who's gonna win 
Thank God they made another King Kong movie. You know, I was just thinking the other day how it's really time. Like, uh, people are clamoring for it's it, such, this King Kong movie. It's such a story with such rich characters that speaks to the <laughs> ages that everyone wants to see over and over again. And you know what? I know those other, all those other King Kong remakes have been amazing, but I think it's time to revisit it, you know? What, will, what would Taylor Swift think about King Kong tearing up her stage? We need to find out. We need to know the answers. What I really want, though, is if they could also have another Spider-Man reboot and have Spider-Man fight them. That would be, like, the most perfect scenario. Well, they both live in New York. Spider-Man can choke fucking King Kong out like a motherfucker. Godzilla, he'd be dead before Godzilla even shows up for the fight. And Godzilla's like, why'd you kill him? If you have a giant gorilla hanging from the side of a building, you don't get a helicopter, you don't get a jet. No, you get another person who can hang from the side of a building. It only makes sense. (laughs) Who can get up to the top of the Empire State Building and, like, punch King Kong in the balls? It's gonna be Spider-Man. It's just self-evident. Now it's Spider-Man's kind of horrified to find out that King Kong's only weakness is being punched in the ball, so he has to like get right up in there. And he's just like, "Man, I don't. I, I, do I at least get paid for this one? Because usually I do this shit for free, but this is like, yeah, I'm taking some real risk here." And I mean, we can all agree that what um, the King Kong movies are missing are a costume vigilante who's really good with quips. Yeah. So. Hollywood, give me a call. I'm really available. Did you see the fucking Lord of the Rings guys? What's his name? Peter Jackson. Did you see his King Kong? I did. His interminable King Kong movie. Did we see it together in the theaters? Because I saw it with other people. I can't remember if you were there. Possibly. I I can't believe how bad that was. It was so bad. Why was there, like, our interlude on the boat? And I didn't need it. King Kong's not good to begin with. And so you're already taking something that's middling to begin with. Middling, old, and racist. And then just kind of <laughs> fucking up even more. It's just like, now it's just boring and racist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just. Mm-hmm. But Godzilla, that's even more justification to want to see Godzilla show up and kill his ass and just end the leg- the cinematic legacy of King Kong. There should be a thing where they actually make it a legally binding thing that whoever loses the fight in the movie, they can never make another movie about again. <laughs> that, that would be a movie I would want to see. Aside from the fact that Godzilla, especially the new Godzilla they cooked up for the la- that last movie, he's like literally the size of the Empire State Building. Which yeah. Is the that King Kong climbs? So if you're big yeah. enough to be the thing that King Kong can climb, I don't think there's not gonna be. There can't be much of a fight. I mean, come on. No, see, I like this. Now we're getting like an uh, what is it? The Bremontown animals, like the Bremontown players, whatever sort of scenario where you got like a Totoro pile. Yeah, we've got the giant Godzilla, and then the King Kong, and then the Spider-Man. It's, it's a nice top. little tree. Yeah, it's like a snowman of of monstrous beings. What that exist. if? What if Spider-Man? hollows out the back of King Kong's skull and lives in his brain and, like, Pacific rims him into the fight, so at least King <gasps> Kong has human intelligence, but, like, giant ape strength? Of course, because the only way you can improve King Kong is if he quips, too. <laughs> but really so slowly good. and loud King Kong voice? Yeah! <laughs> I got out of bed for this! <laughs> and he's still just kind of, like, slow, bro. He poops himself. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway. Area 5 released the Outer Lands trailer this week. This looks really, really good. Did you see the trailer for this? I did. So Area 5 is a group of filmmakers uh, that does um, short films in, about video games, kind of in the vein of uh, the excellent Player One Productions. And there's essentially Outerlands- the other crew doing this kind of stuff that's not two-player productions, yeah. Yeah, they also did the excellent uh, grounded uh, behind-the-scenes Last oh, of Us documentary. They did that, yeah. 
Uh, I know yeah. them because they used to be the documentary crew unit for uh, they 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 worked on the One Up show from OneUp.com back in the day, and that's essentially how they got their start. And for the One Up show, which was One Up's video thing before YouTube, I think like even right even before YouTube became a thing. Yeah, these guys were doing little mini like five minute documentaries, kind of like how the Great British Bake Off, where they'll have like a little five minute interlude where they'll talk about the history of pies. Like in the middle of this One Up show, where they were talking like you know they'd review whatever games are coming out this week. They were like, oh well, we went out to. Uh, a, a Street Fighter tournament, and we were interviewing people at the Street Fighter tournament, or we were interviewing these queer girls developing, like, this queer game over here about queer girls, and stuff like that, so, like, essentially, like, tier 10 years, whatever, but I'm just saying, like, different topics, and they went out of their <laughs> no, way. I understand! That just came out sounding the most dismissive! No, but I'm just... No, but <laughs> I know it wasn't intended yeah. to, which is kind of funny. No, but I like yeah. the fact that they tried to, rather than just, like, being super insular, they tried to, like, document weird quarters of, like, the San Francisco video game scene, in which yeah. they went out of their way to try to like yeah try, try to talk to underrepresented I, people. I really liked just the in this trailer uh, the little bit you see of the Evo tournament. Like I could give a shit about Street Fighter, but it, the way they capture everyone's excitement yeah. at this event, it gave me goosebumps. They're big over people over tech. I mean, they'll talk about tech stuff, but they 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 their whole thing is they want to interview people people and, and yeah. figure out the, how socially games impact people's lives and stuff like that. And so yeah, this is a, a video series that they kickstarted about a year ago. It sounds like it's going to start coming out pretty soon. I am super here. Hold jazzed. on. Hold on, now I get to be Bill. God, a year? What have they been doing with that time? Fuck. This should have been out like eight months ago. What Dude, the hell? They did promise. You just point a camera at things. I backed this project. I looked up <laughs> one of the first things I wanted to see because whatever like a backed project that I backed is about to come out. I'm like, okay, how late is this? And they did say it would be out the summer of 2015. Seems like it'll be at the fall of 2015. So they're only a couple months late. It's not like Double Fine, which is like came out like a no, year no, and a half. No, not late. interested in this. Not interested in this. Okay. I was making fun of you. I'm, I'm saying, not interested I'm in actually saying. engaging you. <laughs> I'm just just I'm just defending myself. Is all I'm saying. Uh huh. I, you know, I still have not played that second half of that adventure game. I still haven't beat uh, Grim Fandango. I feel next bad. note. Next note on the Geek Week in Review, it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot to Bill, add. Allow me to attempt to untangle what you could mean by this. So, a little context. There's a little movie called Step Brothers, <laughs> starring Will Ferrell and, uh, oh fuck, John C. Riley. Yeah. Uh, directed by Adam McKay. I have a giant soft spot for Adam McKay, Will Ferrell movies. Foley and I watched Step Brothers once under duress, and we thought it was a terrible movie, and then over the course of the next 48 hours, watched it three more times, and now we are obsessed with it. One of the statements, one of the quotables from Step Brothers is, it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. I can only hope, Bill, that this means that we are getting a Step Brothers 2. Am Mother, I right? What time is it? Can I guess? It Annie. is 11.52. Fuck. We have eight minutes to get to the Descanso Beach Club in St. Catherine Way in Avalon, California. We're at least on the right coast, but in eight minutes, it's 11.52 a.m. as we record this. At 12 noon, the first real-life Catalina wine mixer begins. <laughs> no way! This is, yeah, someone is <laughs> actually throwing a real Catalina wine mixer. This, the, yeah, unfortunately, it's not a Step Brothers sequel, but it is. Yeah, someone's whoa, actually whoa. doing this for real at, like, a yacht club. Yeah, and it does wow. start, yeah, if we have... If if you have a transporter and 35 bucks for each of us, we can get in. I'm just saying. 
if it doesn't end with uh at adam scott uh yeah how do a helicopter <laughs> yeah. i'm fucking to... doing some vanilla ice pa- uh, karaoke then i don't know what the, ma- the i need to is. watch that movie again because i watched it with you and foley and you guys were so in love with that movie and just loved it and laughed it over so much that i liked it i loved it too i was having a good time watching it but i was more entertained by you guys than yeah. i was the movie itself yeah. so i remember catalina wine mixer is a thing but you guys it was great it was oh man i love that it is a bad dumb movie and i'm obsessed with it and i cannot think of anything more unpleasant than going to an event with other stepbrothers enthusiasts oh uh, yeah well <laughs> you know yeah it's like going to a big lebowski thing it's like why would i go to a big lebowski theme thing yeah i don't want to share this with uh yeah this is being thrown together by the santa santa catalina island company I don't even know what the hell it is, but yeah. So I'm just saying, yeah, it starts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure they were like, how the fuck can we be culturally relevant? I know. Let's riff off a joke from a movie that came out like eight years ago. I was about ago. to say, it only took them a decade it. to finally cop on. Like, maybe we should do that in real life. Yeah. <sighs> in closing, lastly, today, this day in time, is the 30th anniversary of the release of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah! So is it the release in America or in Japan? In Japan. In America, it's next month. It's like mid-October. No, There's no specific release date where it came out here, but it, they know it just started coming out in the streets here in uh, in, in October 1985. Uh, but yeah, fucking video games. Fucking Super Mario Bros. Video years games. Old. That makes Man. me feel... I know. I'm I know. Used, I'm used to fe- making, you know, feeling old as things get old. But yeah, no, my big three anniversaries happening this year, ha- all happening within a month of, uh, month of each other. Uh, it's Back to the Future, The Goonies, and Super Mario Brothers all turning 30 years old within like two months of each yep. other. I'm like, oh man, that just means the fall of 1985 was a great pop culture uh, little <laughs> yeah. basis. But oh man, oh yeah. The ravages of time, bro. So what I wanted to do is I want to steal a pirate ship, sail it up the story, play the Goonies. Or play Super Mario Brothers on the pirate ship while also in a time machine or something? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, I was waiting for you to fill it together. Oh, man. Well, yeah. then, of course, the um, you make the uh, the, the pirate ship at go enough speed I do. that it can... My first, I've the, been playing around with what my first Mario ma- uh, Maker stage is going to be. I am tempted to make a uh, Goonie stage where you would, like, you have to, like, dodge, like, the boulders coming down and have to run past some skeletons, and there's going to be, like, a little bit of a trap. Not too complicated, but just enough that you might go, this seems kind of familiar. Like, oh, it's Goonies! It's Goonies! <laughs> I love you, Bill. We'll see what happens. I don't and know if we can actually do that, but yeah. And with that, my friends, this was the Boy Hattie Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening to us piffle about things that we feel strongly. Especially since uh, the whole we'll middle third of this podcast is going to be going, hey, what a... Uh, oh, God, t- I t- hope t- to t- God you edit this. Or not. We'll see. <laughs> see how this goes. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, friends, we'll talk to y'all next week. As in the meanwhile, we're howdy at boyhattypodcast.com. You can email us. We're boyhattypodcast.com. That's the website where we live. We're also at boyhattypodcast on Twitter. If you want to yell at us about anything in particular, we'll be back next week to talk about more crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll <laughs> uh, no, trade off. No. More beloved things that we hold dear that are ultimately meaningless because of the ravages of time. The, the, <laughs> the fluff that keeps us sane. <laughs> what it really boils Pretty down much. to, yeah. Pretty much. What is it? It's like an Akewood where it's like, a, what is it? A distraction on the road to death. Yeah. Here we go, friends. We're Woo! all dust nothingness. We're Tell all your loved ones that you love them. 
blackness, but we're being entertained by these little glowing screens as we die. Goodbye. This is gonna be, uh, here, I'm gonna make this like the end of Clue. I'm gonna go have sex with my wife. What is this? A new book? All this shit is weird. Oh, Verk, that is a terrible title. What are you even thinking? The sky churned like a rolling sea on a dark and stormy night, centered on a gaping hole that led to the arse end of nowhere. A hole that spit up many things that day, comets, demons, and a whole lot of trouble. <gasps> it's about the Inquisition. The din of the tavern cut the silence like it owed the carter money. In the middle, in her element, Red Jenny. She looked me up and down, mostly down. Not playing, weirdy, she said, gesturing with and dismissively eating a sandwich. Don't write that. Seriously, piss up a rope. Sarah made the subtext text, which suited me fine. The court enchanter swirled into the room like a drop of beautiful poison spreading in a wine glass. She sized me up with a glance. I'm so glad you made it, my dear, she said. I am Madame de Fair, the most terrifying person you shall ever meet. Liliane enfolded Alphonse in an embrace as warm as a serpent's kiss. I always knew I could count on your support. The Count did not feel the bite of her poisoned dart until it was too late. Even if it requires your death. Drops of rain glistened on the griffin medallion grasped tightly in Blackwall's hand. The silverite wings of valor, they mean nothing. He flung the medal to the cold and uncaring ground. You don't know what I've done. You don't know me. <sighs> so romantic. Cole moved like a shadow that also moved like a knife, a shadow wearing a hat where dreams came to die. It's a riddle, he whispered. A cold riddle that gnaws at your mind, but you'll feel better when it's gone. That makes as much sense as anything Cole says. Do you place your herald above the law, Ambassador? Whose law, my lady? 
Josephine's eyes glittered like angry opals. The law destroyed by rebellion, by civil war, by poor fiscal management. We are the law. We left our mark on adamant, but the dust hadn't settled, and neither had Harding. I can offer you a drink, if I catch your meaning. If you caught my meaning, you'd have offered a double. What is even happening here? Iron Bull was a great slab of muscle with horns that could hang a tapestry. One eye scanned for threats, while the other hid behind an eye patch like a chantry sister's old sins. Come on, he barked, not looking back as he entered. The dancer with the great rack comes on in five. That is spot on, actually. The commander had the look of a Templar who had seen the worst of humanity, yet still had the time to style his hair. This isn't just a war, he said, his gaze steely like a dull blade. It's the only war. Cullen! That's Cullen! The mage wore a class of handsome sneer cultivated by a thousand years of Tevinter elitism. The name's Dorian, he glared. D-O-R-I-A-N. Spell it right, you marble-headed lump, or it's toad time. A toad? That's hardly credible. The bold elf spun, mage staff crackling like the city after a good man's murder. You're crazy, the Red Templar cried in terror. Moonlight glinted off ears like the knives you never see coming. Better to fade out than burn away. Ugh, Varric. Wait, where am I? I don't... Oh, here it is. The seeker clutched at my vest, her tears as desperate as they were pitiful. Varric, I was wrong about everything, she sobbed. Could you find it in your noble heart to forgive me? That dwarf, he... he... he put me in the book! <laughs> I'm in the book! I am reading the shit out of this! <laughs>